Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests, and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine, and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello everybody, it is, nearest makes no difference, 8 o'clock, I'm enjoying the outside of Hindhoff Towers again this evening, beautiful night with, uh, what is that just flying over there, that looks like a crane to me of some description, very long legged and long necked, uh, sitting looking over, we're sitting out the front of the house tonight, looking uh, over the meadow, which in truth needs a bit of a cut if I'm honest, barely a cloud in the sky, people walking their dogs towards us at the moment and any second now you should hear the church chiming out for eight o'clock and uh, she had a more like to hear this but there are rabbits in the thistles just just in front of us it's midweek motorsports series 10 episode 28 the one after canada and up in london is our executive producer tim gray hello tim hello john where it's uh, overcast with uh, dark storm clouds above us Yes. Yeah, don't let that dog off its lead. Uh, hence, uh, hence why uh, I am here and not mm. playing cricket. Yes, cr- uh, already bad light stopped play before you even got there. So, uh, so yes. my uh, apologies for absence are withdrawn. I have disapologised. Well, no, no, you, no, you haven't disapologised. You've di- disabsented. Uh, well, both. I'm, I'm now disapologising. No There's no requirement for an apology. What you've done is disabsented yourself. Yeah. You've 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 represented yourself, so there was no need for the apology. So, uh, Jack Solowski says uh, uh, I can't tune in live because I'm moving house. Listening to the podcast, he will be instead. Okay, thank you. Mm. Before we uh, go on with uh, apologies mm-hmm. for absence, uh, I'd like to say hello to Nick Damon. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Nick, uh, yes, are you properly attired for the season? I believe I am. Did you not see the picture? I've just tweeted. No, I'm not on Twitter at the moment. Yes, you are. Oh, moment. I see what you mean. Um, he is wearing a dark grey wool and mustard suit, I would say. Oh, yes. Very nice summer weight. With a Shirt from Jaeger. Sadly, he's broken the cardinal rule because there are only two colours of shirts that you can ever wear with a suit. One being light blue, the other being plain white. And it's rather a purple colour. But not nevertheless, pink. he's... No, it's not pink. He's teamed that up with a uh, a rather nice silk Hermes Le Mans 24 Hours tie. Yes, and, uh, and as soon as I knocked on the door, I was welcomed into the broadcast studio. With open <laughs> arms, as he's properly attired, as any gentleman should be. Exactly. For doing Excellent. any kind of sports broadcasting. Mm-hmm. My my uh, suit uh, today is uh, it's described as brown, but it's actually almost grey. Uh, it's certainly not chocolate brown. Uh, and uh, I've paired it with a purple shirt, 
uh, in a very mm-hmm. deep purple, and mm-hmm. uh, the tie uh, is uh, sort of metallic grey to match the. Well, you see, with, pur- I, with purple piping. I've gone for a nice lightweight uh, Jaeger summer suit yes. um, in a sort of a cream colour mm-hmm. um, with a white shirt, obviously. And I wore my Lord's Taverner's tie because mm. I thought we'd be talking about you playing cricket tonight. Uh, indeed, indeed. In fact, we're just talking about uh, wearing a jacket and tie. Yes, <laughs> and why, why are we talking about that? Because Lewis Hamilton didn't. Yes. And he wasn't allowed into the royal box. He didn't read his invite. He posted a picture of his invi- invitation. <laughs> not invite, invitation. Sorry, love. He p- posted... Can you just lose the, the theme a little bit? Because it is very, very loud to us, Tim. Uh, is it that better to you? Yes. Oh, no, that's much better. Was... Thank you. Um, <laughs> the, he, he managed to, to We only have take 15 seconds of it left. Let's listen to the end. Yes, go on. That is today at Wimbledon, isn't it? It's called Sporting Occasion. It's by Robert Farnan. But it was often, it was almost always used for the Wimbledon Highlight Show. It still is. All right. That's how uh, they close Wimbledon. The, uh, yes, he, he managed to post a picture on Twitter of his invitation to the Royal Box, but um, either couldn't or didn't read it. Mm. No. And uh, therefore he didn't see that gentlemen must wear a jacket and tie. And Yes, a collar, tie, jacket. Mm. What, hard, does, really, uh, what does Morris Hamilton say about it? Morris Hamilton? Morris yes. Hamilton. No, no Radio relation, five, of course. Radio 5 no, Live correspondent. No relation. I have absolutely... Does he say... A- editor of Auto, of course. Does he say this is the worst faux pas I've ever heard? The man deserves to be drummed out of the, of the United Kingdom? John, what do you think he said? Um, he said, um, clearly deserves to be sacked for Mercedes-Benz for bringing the brand into disrepute. Actually, he said, as it happens, I thought his outfit was preferable to some sportsmen who look ill at ease in a collar and tie. Like it or not, it was Lewis Hamilton, floral prints and all. Mm. Fair enough. I'm sure, I'm sure he was very expensively and smartly attired. And he had a very nice pair of Irish Specs. wrongly attired. He had a nice pair of Irish Specs sunglasses with mm. him. No one's, no one's having a go at his attire. It's probably fantastically right on trend. Uh, just not for the Wimbledon Royal Box. Who won the uh, ladies' final at Wimbledon in 1979? Martina Hingis. <laughs> in 1979? <laughs> no. yeah. Steffi Graf? No. Martina Navratilova? No. Oh, uh, Chris We're Ever. being buzzed by a microlight. We'll yeah. hear that. Yeah, Virginia Wade won in 77. Mm-hmm. Then it was all Navratilova and Evert, wasn't it? I think it was Evert. Uh, who was the uh, other finalist that year? Yvonne Corley? Martina Hingis? <laughs> Still not Martina Hingis. Still 79. not alive yet. Steffi <laughs> um, <laughs> who, who was who? Which uh, famous racing driver was watching? Gerhard Berger. No. Uh, Joachim Mass. James Hunt. Well, James Hunt. Tennis-loving. Yes. Formula One world champion. Yes, ah, yes. Right. Was he wearing a it suit? It was Bjorn Borg and Martina Navratilova were the two champions. Bjorn Borg beat Roscoe Tanner in f- uh, five, uh, six, seven. Uh, it was seven, four in the breaker. Six, one, three, six, six, three, six, four. <laughs> Eighth career Grand Slam and fourth Wimbledon title for Borg. And Martina and Navratilova for beat, beat Chris Evert in two, four and four. Well, Second Roscoe career Tan, the guy I suppose to be incredibly fast serving. Like Massively 80 fast. 80 miles an hour at the time. No, no, he was over 100. No, that's what you get out of a wooden racket. Mm, okay. 
Uh, Billie Jean King won the uh, doubles with Martina Navratilova, beating Betty Stover and Wendy Turnbull in three. Her 20th title, which was then, of course, beating Elizabeth Ryan's record of 19 t- uh, uh, titles, which wasn't beat until 2003 when Navratilova herself yes. actually took that. about 44, wasn't she? So was James Hunt wearing a suit? Probably, Probably not. not. But no. was he in the Royal Box? Probably not. No, you see, there you go. Um, the South African Grand Prix. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. doesn't exist at the moment. Doesn't exist. Uh-huh. Why are you asking about 1979 Wimbledon? I'm not okay. uh, no. anymore. We're now okay. talking about the South African Grand Prix right. in when? Uh, 72, 73-ish. Right. Well, the one that used to be held on New Year's Day. Uh, this one uh, is one that happened on Mario Andretti's birthday. Is that the 4th of March? Don't know. This is all getting more, when, when even more confusing. Anyway, Mario Andretti had a party to celebrate yes. his birthday after the Grand Prix. Right. Uh, it was born the 28th of February 1940. So the 1972 South African Grand Prix was held on the 4th of March. So that's pretty close to his birthday. So perhaps it's 73 or Maybe it was that one then. It, it was early 70s. Um, so he held a uh, party in upmarket Johannesburg nightclub, mm-hmm. which apparently existed in the 1970s. <laughs> okay. Uh, and invited all his friends. Right. Uh, including Clay Regazzoni. Right. Who Swiss. was being sponsored by Etienne Eigner. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, who outfitted him. As a Swiss Alpenherd? <laughs> In some lovely, very expensive uh, denim jeans. Uh, right. Can't come in here wearing jeans. Is what the bouncer said. So what did Clay Riggett's only do? He Take took them off. them off and went in his pants. He did, yes. <laughs> Which is exactly what Clay Riggett's only, and indeed anyone of that era, would have done. Yes. And was he twiddling some stars whilst he did mm. Almost certainly. Mm. Good lad. Apologies for absence then. Carry on. Really? What was the point of that? <laughs> uh, Simon Hoff says, just watching European ELMS. Uh, don't know the results, so we'll catch the podcast. Car won. Someone won. Lots of winners. Work is bonkers right now uh, in the real world, says Paul Marquardt. Not listening live, says Joe Taylor. I was helping a Formula student. So is that very worrying when a, ma- a paramedic says work is bonkers? Yeah, very busy. You know, if it's like a bloke who's making widgets, it's not really a problem. When a paramedic's busy, things aren't looking good. Yeah. Uh, helping Formula student weekend, catching up on all the races I missed, says Joe Taylor. Mark Thorne, not apologies of absence, but he just said, um, I've been rather put off because I had this weird dream where Paul Tracy said nice thing, things about Sebastian Bourdier. I may need to lie down and miss the start of the show. Um... Harry Flatters, by the way, uh, on commenting on your attire, says, was it Magistrate or Crown Court? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jake says, almost time for, who is uh, at Olympus135, says, midweek motorsport, well, sorting things out for my first motorbike. Definition of a good evening. Oh, go well, on. Must let us know, Jake, what you decide. Yeah. And uh, two-wheel Tuesday, of course, across a Ben Devlin's pub. Always worth my, a, a uh, roll across. My first motorbike I bought on my own, I went straight to Ducati. <laughs> Suzuki, I had a Suzuki GSX 750. I bought a 125 with my housemate to pass the test, sold that, and then the first bike I owned on my own was a Ducati 851. Mm. Uh, Moni Elysium says, Suave Sophistication, thy name is RC Racing. Just goes, show a picture can t- and lie. Mm. Absolutely. 
Uh, first time listening, says James Scantlebury, for the, for months, but I'm in the right time zone for a change. Chris Suku says apologies for absence, having too much fun designing new cars. Sorry, it was Right Turn Lover who said Suave Sophistication. Well, uh, I, I, name. thank you from anybody, I can tell you. Well, I have heard that from you. Yeah. Uh, someone played a Rod Stewart song on the radio and I haven't stopped screaming, so I can't listen, says uh, Rotation. Sorry, I like Rod Stewart stuff, especially mm. the unplugged It's in your stuff. heart, it's in your soul, isn't it? It is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you'd only just stay with me till the end of the programme, that would be lovely. Thanks. I'm sure it'll go sailing past. <laughs> oh, uh, and I think that's about it. Welcome to Ken Bruce. Mm. <laughs> Pop master. Hello. Pop master. Oh, God. I'm not going to do already. that. I've got my glad bags on, but I haven't got a handbag. Ah, very good. Well, in mm. fairness, that was uh, Thunderclap Newman, wasn't it, rather than uh, Rod Stewart? No, he he wrote there. it and covered it. He, he wrote it and sang it. He was the voice on it. Mm. It wasn't released as a Rod Stewart song, though. No, oh, I love the trivia. We get, uh, we get Martin Haven at YouTube arguing for hours and not having mm. a conversation about movies. Uh, it's already after ten past eight. Uh, what's on the show tonight on a packed programme? We have what? We have all the usual features, including another round of our brand new quiz. Which but, is The Price is Right. Which I know nothing yes. about. Excellent. So I, I think you'll be playing show it. Last week. Oh, you'll be playing it. <laughs> you'll be playing it. I think Damon will be stuff. playing tonight. However, tonight we're going to start with a bit of what? Formula One news? I have one more observation before we go. Oh, into yes, the news. oh, yes, you did. Yes, we've been uh, observed again by this guy in the microwave. Does he know? Is it someone from the BBC trying to. Have they scheduled something against us again? No, It'll be Bake Off or something. They'll probably they? come to collect their licence fee because they need it all the money they can get. Uh, I don't mind paying the BBC's licence fee. I think it's very who much worth it. That, um, who was it that mentioned Paul Tracy and his apologies for absence? Uh, right, uh, rotation or right turn lover? I can't remember which one, sorry. I think it was rotation because right turn lover was talking about the... Uh, uh, let me... F- Ellen important talking about me, yes. Uh, go on, carry on. I'll find uh, Because that's part of my observation. As you may know... I, it was Mark I'm Thorne. It Mark was neither Thorne. of those. It was Mark I'm taking Thorne. part in uh, Fantasy IndyCar. Are you? Um, and every week they send me a little... Reminder email. Do you have to pay for that? No, it's free. No, of course not. No, no, it's Tim. Tim, Tim. Oh, fair enough. Uh, I think Marshall Pruitt, because uh, he always has his photo on the emails that they send me, must get paid by them. Okay. Really? Um, mm. Does he go, well, Tim, this week you got nine points. I got more than that. Right. I did, okay. did quite well again this week. But they sent me a little reminder email, and I hadn't, mm-hmm. I'd been so busy last week, I hadn't really been paying much attention to where IndyCar was going. Uh, and it said, you're running out of time to pick your drivers for uh, this week's race in Alice. And I thought, Alice? Alice! Who the f- Alice? <laughs> you did, yeah. Uh, and it turns out that it's a Milwaukee Mile. Why, is it, called why is it called Alice? I don't know. And why is it in the middle of July? It's supposed to be the first one after the Indy 500, isn't it? Mm. Well, they've got all sorts of changing problems. We will ask Marshall Pruitt the answers to that later on. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. And we start with what? Some news. Excellent. Where from? Uh, We're going to start with some Formula One news. uh, Simply because uh, Nick Damon is still with us and hasn't run away yet. Despite running away at all. Despite the promise (laughs) that he will be playing tonight's quiz. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, 
John Bradley got... sends an apologies for absence. He forgot it was Wednesday at 8 o'clock. As at three minutes to, he rang me. He must be having a good holiday. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, coming via text we've from got a, Lanzagrotti. We've got a calendar. We have. It's very big. I've it's got a calendar. I'm into July now. It's very big and it's very condensed. Mm. Very condensed. They're, they're, they're starting a lot later, aren't they? Oh, he's three coming back. Is that another one? They're starting three weeks later, in Australia, and they're squeezing an extra one in. Yeah, they are, which is more than they're supposed to have. Yeah, well, it's in fact it's against the regulations. Well, not anymore. It's been signed off. Mm. It's against the Concord Agreement, but not against the regulations. Regulations don't stipify. 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 Can you do that to me wall for me as well? I need something just with a little bit of yeah. you know. Another one for the dictionary. Yeah, yes. there's no stipulation of the, in the regulations. It is a agreement within the Concord Agreement. They're going to have they have 21 races. Mm. In Baku, Baku! Yes. Which is Europe, apparently, of course. It is Europe. It is really. in Europe. Yeah, right. Definitely the, in Europe. For the moment, at least. It's the capital of a country that's in Europe. Mm. No, it's not in Europe, it's in Asia. No, it's in Europe. Uh, Jake says it's a Yamaha YZF R125. Good mm. effort for your first Starting bike. Starting with a sporty 125. Good luck. Yes, um, there are seven back-to-backs. Including Singapore to Malaysia. It's not very far. No, it's not. Mike well, Perrin, by the way. Because don't forget they changed the time zones again. Mike Perrin, uh, Jim says, Milwaukee Mile is in West Alice, as in Peter Alice. It is, it is spelt like Peter which Alice. Which is a yeah. suburb of Milwaukee. Because Singapore, of course, is known for being on the European time zones. Yes. And now, pointlessly, the following week, they're going to Malaysia on Malaysian time zones. What's the mm. weather like in Malaysia at that time of year? Wet. Uh, wet and sticky. In fact, we could have used. A bit of good morning in, Vietnam. In fairness, in fairness, it's wet in Malaysia all year. Yeah. At some point during the day, it's in the tropics. That's what they do. You, mm-hmm. You've spent a lot of time in uh, uh, Bangkok, haven't you? I spent time Oriental I, setting. I also went to uh, Malaysia when it was the first time, Malaysia, the first yeah. couple of years. In the first couple of years, it was in September. That's right, mm. and it rained Actually, a lot. Late, it did. It did. And it's hot as well. So yes, it's a compact can. Any other, other observations? Uh, Germany's back. Mm, which we all knew would be. Yes, but what happens next year? Again, It'll be gone again. Yes. Um, no, that's better really. Russia's there. Russia moves earlier. Um, are, you, are you specifically looking for something specific? Because I can't think of any specific highlight. Uh, just really looking at the uh, changes the, of dates for quite a few of them. The volume of... Uh, Britain's a bit earlier, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Britain is the week after Le Mans. It's very much earlier. Back to its it's traditional pretty much a month week. earlier. Uh, well, yes, but it depends how far you say traditional, because it always used to be in Wimbledon fortnight. Yes. It used to be the same weekend as Wimbledon men's final. Then they moved it a little bit to get away from that, and now they've wasn't pulled it back wasn't, forward wasn't again. Was the weekend where it was Wimbledon men's final, British Grand Prix, and World Cup final on the same day? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think it wasn't. Possibly an ITV would do because they gave a prize where you could see the. All three, and then go. This was in 2010. And then go down to Germany for the World Cup final. That's 2006. Well, we could. You could see all of them by sitting in my front room as well. Yeah, that's true. Which was nice. I think I mean, personally, I think it's a ridiculous, uh, ridiculously over-condensed calendar, and though the, it must admit the venues ah. are not the biggest problem with their front at the moment. Fabian says, so with the addition of the European Grand Prix effectively outside of Europe, do we still have more F1 races inside Europe or not? Hashtag confused. Still so, more. How many European races are there and how many non-European? I haven't got it in front of me, Tim. I'm sure well, you Well, Silverstone, Spa, Monza, hmm. 
Hockenheim, mm, Monaco, Monaco, Barcelona, mm-hmm. Baku, <coughs> Moscow. Oh, yeah, right. It's, it's not Moscow, it's Sochi, He's, isn't it? Do we think that Baku's actually going to happen? Counts. Yes. Yeah, well, you've also got more right, money. Okay. They've got more money than, than, than the than, whole of... You than know, money. Than money, yeah. Than Greece. I've only got to eight so far. Keep going. Uh, Austria. Oh, yeah, nine. Hungary. European. Hungary. I am a bit peckish, actually. So I need one more. There needs to be more than 50% need to be in, in Europe, and two of those are a bit iffy. There must be more. Let's no, count the ones that aren't. So outside of Europe... Have you got the list in front of you? No. No, Australia, Malaysia, Singapore, China, The listener can do this. The Mexico, can do this. USA, Canada, Brazil, Abu Dhabi. I can only make 20. I've missed one. That doesn't surprise me. And it must be one. Oh, Japan. Uh, there we are. So it's 10 to 11. Yeah, and it's 11, which is against it's the not, rules. It's not. It's 20 past 8. It's against the rules, especially when two of them are really very European. Uh, what else uh, came out of the World Motorsport Council meeting regarding Formula One? Uh, they're changing the point system to get a super licence. They are. I spoke to somebody at the weekend who's very pleased about that. Is it someone who's going to get a super licence? No, I'm not going to say it, but he was very pleased. Uh, For his son, Kevin. He's got a super licence. Yeah, but it would have run out, wouldn't it? Oh, right. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, so... Forty points uh, now, mm-hmm. uh, which was previously what you got for winning the European Formula Three Championship. Yeah, yep. you still get that for winning the European Formula Three Championship. Yeah, right. but you also get it for winning uh, GP two, which yep. previously yes. was worth fifty points. Yes, IndyCar, which was previously worth no points. Mm-hmm. LMP one of the World Endurance Championship, right, which mm-hmm. was previously worth a point. Less, wasn't it? 20. Mm. 20, I think. And uh, Formula 2, which still doesn't exist, but was previously worth 60 points. But haven't GP2 just tended to run Formula 2? Yes. So do you not think that's going to become Formula 2? GP Formula 2. Formula 2 GP. Formula Renault is getting more points as well, isn't it? Remember 3.5 is getting more points. And World Touring Car yes. and DTM are getting some. Indy Form- Lights Form- are getting some. Formula Renault goes up to 35 from 30. Uh, DTM gets 15, uh, along with Indy Lights, and mm. also uh, the champion of the CIK FIA World Karting Championships. Gets five. What? 15. Five. How many does World Touring Cars get? 15. World Touring Cars gets 15 for some mm. bizarre reason. Because it's an FIA series. Because it's an FIA World Championship. Formula E doesn't get it has no relevance. Ah, no. Well, it Formula does. For, well, for Formula E now, you're going to have to have an international Formula E super license. Well, hang on, I've read that. Yeah, the winner of F Formula E gets a super license for free. Yes. So Nelson Piquet Jr. can, drive, can crash for any F1 team on demand. Mm-hmm. But you will have to qualify for a special Formula E license before you can race in Formula E. Yes. Mm-hmm. Who, who do you see the Formula E calendar has a clash with World Endurance Championship? Yes. That's not going to work, is it? No. <laughs> has uh, two clashes with Formula One, which is one fewer than this year. Mm-hmm. It's more that most of the drivers run with WEC. And, and uh, has replaced Monaco, a circuit where people are used to seeing single seaters going around very quickly. And climbing a, and able to climb a hill mm-hmm. with 
the Palais des Invalides in uh, the Palais des Invalides in Paris instead. Oh, it was always a plan to uh, only do Monaco every other year because the uh, Monaco Historic Festival takes that weekend on the alternate years. So, right. Uh, so that makes sense. And they end. need the full circuit because they can those old horrible uh, historic next, things. Can no, get up the there's a lot no, of them. They are up in the power for next year mm-hmm. for Formula E during the race, which I'm interested about because that just means they've got more battery issues. The um, races are going to be shorter, though, aren't they? No, the same length. They're going to give more power, so you can choose more strategy on your batteries. There's more freedom, but until they, they change the battery, I think it's the following year. It's going to be a bit silly. Uh, what's happening with Formula One engines? Honda are getting one more. Yes, because they're counting as a new person. And that's retrospective, or at least it starts the straight problem away. Is they've already used the it. trouble is, they've already <laughs> used it and been penalised for using it. Mm. Well, no, I think what happens is the next time they use one, they get one without penalty, but as the car's so dead dreadful anyway, no one's going to moan about it. Apparently, as soon as they sort the engine issues out, McLaren's going to be seconds quicker. Tor- terribly uh, competitive. Um, what else is happening with engines, Nick? Don't know. Cheaper, longer lasting. I didn't hear anything else about engines, so right. I don't know what uh, Tom's referring to. to the other honest. thing that they, um, what else did they do in their sporting regs? They've authorised the stuff they put through, like uh, making starts more manual again, further reducing the information drivers can get, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. From Spa. Which is race off next yeah the engine comes into effect from uh, Hungary but uh, everything else at Spa um, also it should be said it's not just for Honda it's for any new manufacturer who will get an extra engine in yes. their first year yeah. per driver uh, it's just being applied immediately for so going for back Honda. to uh, radio communications mm. mm-hmm. what are the teams allowed to tell drivers Nothing now. They've got to use flags, semaphore, or smoke signals. They're not allowed to tell them anything about clutch settings. Mm-hmm. They can tell them if it's wet. They can tell and them they if it's wet, They can tell yes. them if someone's had a crash on the track. Can they tell them where it's wet? Yes. Oh. And they can tell them there's a crash, but they can't tell them anything about how to set the clutch. They can't tell them anything about the start procedure. Right. They can't can they tell, tell them if bits of the car's falling? They yes. Can't tell them, they can't mm-hmm. tell them um, any spoilers about Game of Thrones. Right. They can also out. tell them about uh, bits of uh, car falling off of their competitors. Ah. But not their teammates, by the sound of it. Mm. Uh, and they can tell them that they've got to make a pit stop. Uh, and kind of uh, Nick, Nick mentioned that uh, they're allowed to say if it's raining. Uh, they're also allowed to tell them if there's oil on the track. Or, uh, so safety-related things. Yeah. And they're also allowed to tell the drivers that uh, uh, their teammate is faster than you and therefore you should let them pass. Are they allowed to talk about dress codes? No. No, that's, that's completely out. Jonathan Gitland said... Uh, um, he's more sad about the, the loss of the Miami race than uh, the loss of Monaco. Well, there is a TBC on the Miami date, which mm-hmm. uh, I'm told is going to be in North America. So it may well be Miami. Miami was uh, uh, an event that was promoted by uh, the Andretti group, wasn't it? Mm. So we shall see. Maybe they'll go back to Miami. Maybe they'll pick somewhere else on the I'm sure, wherever it is, it'll be an electric event. Yes. Maybe they could do New Jersey. Oh, no, Choisy. Choisy. Um, whilst we're speaking of calendars, uh, away from Formula One, Carol Brink says, do you think the Tudor United sports car Detroit date will change because Ford and Chevy will be at the 
Le Mans test here. Well, Ford would have to be because it's a brand new car. Uh, Chevy would have to have one car there. It didn't stop them this year, did it? We just didn't have those two. Uh, the Chevys just weren't there because uh, the GT, uh, the GTLM cars weren't there. But of course, the cars at the front of the field weren't. He's coming back, isn't he? Did that, uh, did that disadvantage Chevrolet in the race? Not not Le Mans. No, disadvantage in the Tusk race. They weren't there. The, but the whole <laughs> class wasn't there. The, the question that Carol is asking indirectly, Dish Network, yeah. uh, is um, do we think the GTD, the GTLM class rather, will be at Detroit next year or do you think they'll have to miss it again? Um, we're expecting the full calendar from Chile United Sports Car Championship as they have done in previous years at the Road America event and we'll have some more details Ooh. about uh, that uh, in the next few weeks, because that's not that far away. Not at all. Um, so Three races away? Mm. I'm sorry about the, the noise, but that he, he's, he's bothering me now. He's just, he just must be below the, the train line, I can't see him. Just shoot him down. <laughs> not legal. <laughs> as much as we'd like to, Tim. Uh, against many laws. Is it? Mm. Well, it is in this country. Is it? Moving on. I think so. Uh, so Formula One, uh, we've had uh, the meeting of the World Motorsport Council, but uh, yep. very little else has happened. Mm -hmm. I know because we're in the middle of a three-week break. Yes. So this weekend was no and hiatus. Again. I know because it should have been Germany last weekend, shouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, no, this weekend shouldn't it? Yeah, this but, but, weekend but Germany, remember, which they were back to backing. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, so what happened in DTM at the weekend? Some people went round, they got bored, and a German manufacturer won. Did Audi win? No. No? I think BMW swept it, didn't they? Had a brand new winner. Really? Really? Mm. Was it... N obviously um, not a brand new manufacturer, but a brand oh, new right, driver. sorry. Right. First, uh, what, a maiden winner? A maiden winner. Who was it? It was Antonio Felix da Costa. Was it really? Yes. Completely missed that, but then again... I was. Uh, I recorded it and then uh, fast forwarded through it until the uh, <laughs> final until the end. Yes, it sounds uh, like how I watch uh, a lot of uh, things. Uh, and so, uh, well done him then. Well done to him. Uh, Augusto Farfus was second. Uh, there was a what Formula Renault three point five race. In fact, there was a pair of them. Was I? You know, I know Oliver Rowland won one of them. Yes. Well, I don't know who won the other. What the other uh, I do know is the only thing from that one was Roberto Mary having complete brain fade. Well, let me tell you that Mathieu Vassivier won the second one. Uh, but yes, the end, end of the first one, a uh, little bit of brain fade from Roberto Mary. The well, Formula One driver, Roberto Mary. I, I am still going to say that whilst what Mary was did wasn't smart, I still don't understand why. Who was it that ran into him? Uh, Nicholas Latifi. Nick Latifi, who had a clear view of the start-finish line. I from don't when believe he, came he out did have a clear. Well, he was view. in front of he was in front of the car that was the other car that was on the straight, and he swerved across the line to stop the guy overtaking him. I accept he was still battling with him, but then he drove into the back of the but car. Why was he Mary was... doing no miles an hour? Well, it doesn't matter, does it? I mean, it wasn't smart that he did it on purpose. But if he had broken down, or if he'd had a puncture, or if he'd run out of petrol, and the guy had run at the back of him at unabated speed, he'd have been blaming the bloke behind. 
It's always it, there's always some responsibility has to be taken by the person behind for being dim enough not to be looking at what's directly in front of them. <laughs> but as far as the stewards are concerned, it was all Mary's fault, wasn't it? Well, I, I, I don't. Do I would have banned them banned. both. I would have banned them both because it was stupid by Mary, who I think, as you pointed out, Tim, had he already had a a time penalty, and the, and the thought is that he might have been a tad. Uh, cheesed off with that he certainly had damage to his car because he'd had contact earlier on and bent his front wishbone and he was driving with his wheel at an angle um, which is why he which is his excuse for why he stopped straight away because he didn't want to go any further um, he didn't stop on the edge he stopped in the middle well to, to a side I, but I, you know. I know I know I know um, so he I mean it was it was a ridiculous situation um, we've seen it happen before we've commentated on things like that happening before at the Nürburgring when a car trickled over the line and somebody drove into the back of it, and we've seen it, I seem to remember commentating on it. Happens a lot in safety cars. I, I remember happening in a Formula Renault race at Knock Hill, <laughs> um, where everybody came blaring over the top of the hill, and the little plaintive voice from the company box says, I think we should be watching the back of this, because somebody's going to come tearing over the top of there and drive straight into the back of the line. There it is. <laughs> and who did they drive into the back of then? I should know this. What year is it? You should was do. it Ollie Rowland? It wasn't. <laughs> Who was it? Who did the... Dr- Mike Conway. No. Same era. It was the right era. Um, it was Tom Kimber Smith. It was Tom um, Kimber Smith. And what was the name of the uh, French driver who uh, had little talent but seemed to have a lot of uh, Ivan Muller's money. money behind him uh, who uh, went into the back of him? In fact, let's pose that as a question to the listener yeah, on Twitter. We, don't know. Mm. we certainly you, don't know. You clearly won't remember either of you, even though you're both there. Uh, what did Roberto so, Mary have to say? I'm an idiot. I'm really he, sorry. He said, I was stopping in front of my team. I got through the checkered flag. I was stopping in front of my team to check the damage. And somebody ran up the back of me, which is basically what happened. That's not idiot. what he said at all. Because That's he what didn't he said say on Eurosport last night. Uh, maybe last night. Translated. Uh, at the time, uh, he didn't say anything at all. What did his team manager, Emilio Di Velotta, say? He's a blimmin' idiot. That's, that's not going to buff out, he said. He said, I don't think it's my place to comment. Uh, it's up to the driver, and right now Roberto's not ready to speak. Dan Hounsell says, I learned the hardware person behind at fault. Unfortunately, I couldn't blame the person I hit for celebrating. <laughs> mm. Moving on. Uh, what did the uh, clerk of the course say in the driver's briefing that morning? Do not Do stop, not on, the stop line on the line and, and get rammed the at the back side. And have somebody else run into the back here. He actually said, do not slow down on the line. Wait until after you've gone round turn one. Ah, a point. Who was the clerk of the course? I don't know. Mystic mm. It would have been someone Spanish. I'll go back to seeing if the car had, had an issue and the driver... Um, and If he'd run out of fuel. Yes, if he'd run out of fuel and just coasted to a halt. And and Latifi had run into him. We'd all be shouting at Latifi for being a numpty and not looking at what was directly in front of him. I, 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 and I'll say, I don't think Mary did, was, did him... Self any favours, and there may well have been an, an element of toys out of pramness of it, but I still think that Latifi was being dim-witted to think that anything that was in... that The only thing that mattered to him 
um, was looking in his mirrors and blocking the guy behind, and that once he got across the line, he might have thought of looking in front of him. Just, uh, just saying. I, I don't know. Safe positional. It was uh, Tom Dillman who he was battling with, uh, mm. and not uh, Nick DeVries, which is what I thought it was. Mm. No, DeVries is way up the road. Yeah. All right, so that was, uh, that way was up 3.5 the road. He was 2.4 seconds up the road. Mm. Way up the yes. road. Way, way up, the, up road. the road. I think I was correct in saying that. Uh, should we do some more uh, European racing? Yeah, very quickly. Because we had another debut winner. Where? Uh, mm. In European Formula 3. Okay. Which was where at the weekend? Zandvoort. Oh, yes, it was. Indian. Supporting DTM, of course it was. Yes. Uh, and that's Marcus Pommer. Hmm. Marcus Apple? It's spelled the same way. Mm. P-O-M-M-E-R. Okay, well done him. Moving on. Uh, sports cars then. Well, uh, okay, can do. Do you want to get Graham up for this? I don't think we've got Graham yet, have we? No. Oh, he's there. Oh, he's there. He's there. Yeah, okay. he's, been, he's, he's, he's been hanging out. I could... He, he said hello earlier and... Uh, oh, excellent. Yes, I've just seen that, yes. Um... Sportscast got some uh, mass media coverage, didn't it? Did it? Yes. In uh, Britain's top-selling national uh, newspaper. What, The Sun? No. The Sun's Britain's best. Somebody was on drive time paper. as well on Radio 2 again. Uh, yes, that was what newspaper uh, Nick Tandy, wasn't sun? it? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the Daily Mail. Does the Mail sell more than the Sun? All right, move on. Shall I read the story? Yeah. Go on then. Olympic cyclist Sir Chris Hoy revealed oh. that he dominated in a 30,000-foot battle over his aeroplane seat armrest with a fellow passenger thanks to his intensive training. The six-time gold medalist, 39, claimed victory in elbow <laughs> wars during a recent flight after the man sitting next to him made an unwise move on his armrest. Hoy said, just had elbow wars at 30,000 feet. If the bloke had known he was fighting for armrest with an ex kirin rider, he probably wouldn't have started it. The cyclist, who's also a racing driver, was in Austria on Sunday where he stormed to victory in a European Le Mans series event with his Jeanette Nissen teammate Charlie Robertson. So there we are, mass media coverage for the European Le Mans series. Based on an armrest battle. Mm -hmm. And Nick Tandy was on the the National Radio Drive Time Show. Yes. Very good. Um, I did say that, didn't I? Yes. And if you haven't heard the ELMS at the weekend, uh, it's already up. Uh, and uh, so is qualifying and Bruce and Johnny and Georgie did a fabulous job and it's up there on the archive they always do mm-hmm. good. no kind of doubt on that one you mean Charlie what did I say Georgie yeah yes, Charlie, I mean Charlie George Charlie George <laughs> so we call her Georgie not Charlie obviously she's the second best Charlie George there is and uh, for Arsenal fans anyway got, got mm-hmm. to interview her husband as well uh, yes she did did she start off by saying have you done the dishwashing uh, I would also point you towards the uh, excellent uh, Countdown to Green uh, from that show. Um, Why is it excellent? Are you involved in it? No. Oh. Well, I edited it, but other than that, uh, no. Johnny, did, Johnny and Bruce did a whole load of interviews, didn't they? They did. How did mm. they do that? Did they get a radio mic? No, no, they recorded it and sent it. It's very good. Very good. Uh, and then they did post-race tech as well. So... Mm. Oh, it's just like four things to uh, listen to from Austria. Uh, just a qualifying countdown to green race and post-race tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It is Series 10, Episode uh, 28. Uh, we'll try and get hold of Graham Goodwin in a little while. Seems to have stepped away from his uh, computer. He's left issues, the shed. 
Um, he's yeah. SHAD is has been uh, left Dortmund. In uh, that case, can we talk about the World Rally Championship? No. I'd r- well, it's it, it's going to be better, Nick. You're going to love it. It's no. going to be better. It's right, right. up your. It's Explain right up your strata. Are they actually going to race each other? It's right up your forest. Are they going to race each other? It's right up your forestry commission drive. It is. Yeah, they always race each no, other. No, they don't. Yes, they do. You always say they race the most important person of all, the clock. The most difficult competitor time. of time. No. Time. No. What is race time? Each other. Rallycross, which is rally cars racing, is great. Mm-hmm. Rallying, which is cars driving along on their own, is dull. Mm. That's what I feel. Mm-hmm. Carry on. How are they improving rallying? They're going to be wider, faster and more aggressive. With each other on their own. Well, they're only a minute apart. It's just like having Mercedes at the front of the Formula One field, isn't it, really? No, they're racing on the same piece of track at the same time. Well, so are rally cars. No, they're not. Except they don't necessarily know what's coming next. <laughs> flat right. Tractor. Six. Six flat. <laughs> did you see that? I did see that. The picture of the tractor. Oh, dear. In fairness, that was I only wrecking. I, 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 I realise I'm out of step with, with you and your historical racing and how you actually started the whole thing, but somebody explained to me why rallying is interesting. Because I've seen people, you say, oh, it's really spectacular. Well, I've watched these clips, and you see a car go down the corner, and go, yes, it's a bit of gravelly road, it puts its tail out, looks really spectacular. Then another one is exactly the same thing. And by the time you've got the fourth car, you're going, and? I need to take... Can you read a map? Of course I can read a map. Right, you can come rallying with me, then. We'll go rallying. See what I'm, not you I'm not saying it's not great fun if you're driving or co-driving, but for me, it's it's akin to you know watching repetitive, I don't know, indoor squash or something, as opposed to outdoor squash. <laughs> yes, rare sport. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, it's like one of these things which is great fun to do, but no good to watch. Hmm. I okay, think you should take uh, Nick into the forest. Mm. Well, that would be the first time we thought about that. Um, so, so they're increasing excellent. the engine power. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, from 300 beat, uh, brake horsepower to 380. I believe these mm. have 600, but keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're increasing the restrictors on the turbos from 34 millimeters to 36 millimeters, right? Uh, which obviously will help with that uh, engine power increase. Yes. Uh, they're changing the boost pressure to be a maximum of 2.5 bar. Mm-hmm. So this is way. Basically, starting with saying we're giving you more power, and then saying how they're going to do it. Not very interesting, right? Keep going. Uh, they're going to. Do you know what it is, though? It's, it's interesting. You know why they've done this? Because it's boring. Because of the impact that Rallycross has made. Rallycross is great. Rallycross hasn't made that much impact. Made impact on me. I think. Uh, I, I think. I what, watch it. What? What? I what could. I could tell you who's leading the World Rally Championship right now. I, I couldn't, couldn't tell you who's matter. leading in World Rallycross. I couldn't. But it doesn't matter. People, more people are watching World Rallycross. It doesn't matter whether the North is winning the championship. Rallycross has got some problems, but it's still better than rallying. Here's the thing. All this is doing for WRC is undoing all the cost-cutting measures that they've but put in the years ago. But are the cars still based on Fiestas and Hyundai i10s? Hatchbacks, yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, but there has to be something for that, to allow manufacturers to be involved. But why are they based on the smallest car in the group? Because that's because, what the manufacturers want to sell. Because that's what the manufacturers want to sell what? and they think it makes them Do sexy. You, I'm sorry, but the point about rallying is that rallying... If a rallying has a fan base, it will be a fan base of more mature fans. Not necessarily. I don't think you still start. You with see rallying. a lot of young people. No one starts with rallying. Can't Actually, be older people. Most people start with you'd, you'd, rallying. No, no, Tim. No, and I tell you what, you, 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 
the, up to 10 years ago, I might agree with you, rallying's not been on any sort of television, of any sort of mainstream, for the last 10 years. So no one sees him and goes, oh, I want to go and see rallying now. Oh, I, see you mean the Formula spectators? E, they'll see Formula mm. 1, they'll see whatever it is. No one starts, therefore, their demographic is older. Therefore, they want to sell to their demographic. Don't sell them a Fiesta, sell them a Mondeo. But also, the other thing about that is, and I know this is a particularly British thing, but... Uh, talking to people in other parts of the world as well, national rally championships have withered away. There's been no British rally championship. There was no British rally championship last year. Or no, the year before, wasn't year. there? I've not taken the mic out There's one next year, though. There is one next year. It's coming It's driven by... All of all of world championships are driven by manufacturer yeah, interest. I know. I know. And they, therefore... Uh, get them that pay the biggest money have the loudest voice normally mm-hmm. and therefore you know anybody who's going to support it and put money into it all of a sudden you know that will be that'll be the next greatest thing I do think it's interesting that having talked for a long time about rally safety and cost-cutting measures that they've basically had to they've realized that they've had to undo all that because as uh, and you know what Sebastian Sebastian Loeb said. He says I'm not interested in driving these cars. There's not enough power. They don't slide around about enough. They're too boring. Well, you know he's already talking about leaving Citroen and going to go and drive because Citroen are only going to do one or the other. They won't do both. Uh, that was that's been announced already. Um, the English lady who's in charge of Citroen said that. The Citroen are putting some money into Formula E, aren't they? Yes. Um, and they've already said that Citroen will only take part in one or other of WTC and WRC. Loeb's already driven a Dakar car for Peugeot and says that's something he might be interested in. Now, what, of course, Citroen pulling out of, of one of those two doesn't stop DS, which is now a separate brand, which has separate marketing collateral, taking up the other one, which I think is probably what will happen. Um, so while everyone's running around with a hair on fire saying Citroen's pulling out of WTCC or Citroen's pulling out of WRC, I think you'll find they'll be replaced in one or other by DS. Veering off slightly, mm. but staying with Citroen. Apparently, manufacturers I, are queuing up to uh, join World Touring Cars. I saw mm. a DS21 on the mm-hmm. road um, mm-hmm. four days ago. Mm-hmm. That car was so far ahead at the time. Mm-hmm. Still looks good. Mm-hmm. Carry on. Car of the year, 1962. Now, now someone can build them properly so they, they're reliable. They're cracking pieces of kit. Mm. Uh, so moving on, uh, um, as Dan Hounsell said, kilograms lighter as well. Uh, yes, Dan Hounsell says re-rallying. It, is it even possible to watch WRC in the US? I haven't watched it in years. Yes, I'm it sorry is. to say. Uh, and Stuart Hart says exactly what I was thinking. Rallycross has forced WRC to up the ante, the power and the spectacle after 20 years pegged at 300 horsepower. I'd forgotten it was that long, Stuart, but it, it, it has been a long time that they've been running those those motors. All right, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It's quarter to nine. Uh, let's move on. Uh, I think we can do this. Have we got the right jingle? No, I don't know. Oh, no. Down here. oh hello. Oh, excellent. No te fías en español. For midweek motorsport. <laughs> Still needs that on the end, doesn't it? Uh, might, by the yeah. way, apologies for absence tonight. It's just coming from Lounsey's car, uh, taking time to get over the fact that 
uh, his boss Craig Lowndes isn't driving the 24 hours of Spa anymore or its boss sorry I assigned a gender to Lowndes' car there without really knowing my apologies mm, good point. it's a Lamborghini yeah. so would you make that male or female male well it, it's, it's Lamborghini's a male got a Lowndes, they've got a bull on the front in fairness Lowndes' car who that has the uh, the Twitter account is Lowndes' Via Supercar ah I still think that's very male it's a car so it's an it no, they're rather she's. No, I think it can be either. No, I think I think certain things are obviously very feminine. They're more very masculine. I think a muscle car is masculine by nature. What's I think the, a Citroen's female. Which, yes, I think I agree with you. Which, which, DS means goddess, of course. Right. So, uh, so let's learn D I E double S E, which is where D S comes from. There you go. Every week, every week. Moving on, what's the headline in news in Spanish? Es muy raro, no está compitiendo. But we knew that arrows don't compete anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're broken arrows. They're broken. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Who's Moving in on? that? Christian Slater, George Volta, <laughs> Kevin Magnussen, Consiguio, oh, right. La Grata, Graduación, Sonata, and El Formula One, Con McLaren, oh. in 2014. Pero al terminar el ano, quedó relegado como piloto reserva cuando Fernando Alonso regresó al equipo y Jensen Button siguió. And el otro asiento de Carreras. Well, I think that's pretty clear. Um, we hinted to this earlier on with the changes in the uh, the super license regulations. Mm-hmm. If one or other of Jensen, who in fact uh, doesn't have a contract for next year, yes, he does. He doesn't. He's got a year's contract with an option. Ron says he uh, has a contract and uh, will be taking it. Okay. Um, Jensen, who doesn't have a contract for next year, said somebody who was an insider in McLaren to me recently, or Alonso, who is trying to get out of his two-year contract with them. If they two don't go, then Kevin Magnussen is off to a revamped Arrows that's been bought by Hyundai and branded as a Hyundai Sonata-engined car. Well, you'd think that, wouldn't you? Yeah. But actually, what it was was a coded reference to oh. another racing driver. Right. The racing driver who can play a Sonata. Soft, Soft hand suitel. What they're basically saying is there is a secret driver vying for that McLaren place, and they're only giving code name Sonata. Ah, and uh, currently he's uh, too busy with his uh, Porsche Carrera to even go down to walking. Mm? Right? Okay. Moving on. There's my Raro. Hello, okay, my Raro. Well, that's dog, obviously. So apparently, the, yeah, it's, apparently it's a really bad impersonation of a dog barking. Raro, perro, raro. Well, this has all got to do, of course, with uh, driver's got, dogs I'm being sorry, allowed. I think I've got this wrong. I realise now we've got this wrong. Mm-hmm. What's actually happened is that Kevin Magnussen, because he hasn't got a drive, mm-hmm. needs money. Mm-hmm. The only way he's going to get money is by auditioning for Britain's Got Talent. And he doesn't know whether to play a sonata or do a dog act. Mm. And obviously, because dog acts have won two of the last four years, and obviously he could always borrow. How Lewis's do you know dog. that? I just do. Moving on. Moving on. Sigo en este equipo, elos siguen creyendo en mí, y ese es el motivo por el cual tienen al contrato con elos. Ah, or he could sing contralto. 
He was thinking of doing... You know, he was worried, though. He was thinking of doing something else, but he was worried about El Morto, worried about dying on stage. So he's yes. not... So the comedy's not out. literally. Comedy, he might die on stage. Right. Know, he not, doesn't want to just be himself with a microphone. No, he's worried so about... So comedy and singing contralto, that's right that's out. out. He's got to have something... In case he dies on stage. ...to, yeah. to lean on, like... A piano, or a piano or a performing dog. Very good. Like it. Moving on. Es una posibilidad de sedete a otro equipo. No es real. Pero no puedo deciros nada porque no sé nada. Well, there we are. See, no Israel. Mm. Basically, he's not doing Fiddler on the Roof. No. No Jewish songs. No, no. None not of those. At all. So he's basically he's narrowing down his options of how to get the half million pounds from Britain's Got Talent, and you know to he, help him into a drive to get in the drive. Yeah. Yeah, because money talks these days. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. I'm, I'm uh, this, this thought process. I'm interested how he's, he's taking out. He's now very keen. He's not going to be a cantata. He's not going to sit there with mm-hmm. the uh, the Jewish songs. Yeah, of course. Stoffel van Doorn, Hecho and Trabado Fantastico, esta en un estado de forma genial y ojalá que logre el campeonato, como ya he dicho en otras ocasiones, espero que llegue a la Formula One, creo que se lo merece. So you were right there about this, because now it's clear that the moment he mentioned it, the other great talent... At, uh, at McLaren, who's trying to get a, a, a job, which is obviously Stoffel van Dorn, has revealed in an exclusive interview mm-hmm. that he is a junior trampolining uh, champion. And he, had it not been for an injury to his leg harder, mm-hmm. yeah, right, yeah. he would have already won Britain's Got Talent and had the half million quid. But did you not hear the last word? What? Mirachi. A Mirachi. He's decided to form a Mirachi band. Mariachi. So yes, Mariachi. So ba- well, Mariachi in English, Mariachi in Spanish, obviously. Yes, yes. Because Mariachi wouldn't be Spanish, obviously. No, exactly. Um, so he's decided that he's, he's decided, yes. basically, that you say, because of the trampoline accident, he's, his next best talent is as a Mariachi, a one-man Mariachi band. Now that. that's going to win. <laughs> Soffel van Dorm Mariachi band. Is he going to still be able to do the thing with the symbol if he's got a bad leg, though? I have that's... no idea. That's why I want to see the show. Mm. Is that it? That's it. There is a mm. bit at the bottom which is translated into English, but it's a completely different uh, bit of this uh, interview with him, clearly, because uh, it's absolutely not... nothing like it. So he's not mentioning Britain's Got Talent at all? No. Uh, it, it, will be, it will be controversial because people are not that keen on non-British nationals entering British Contour but there we go what no. can you do I think if you need the half million quid you need the half million quid yeah uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport that was news in Spanish this week it's uh, Series 10 episode 28 the one after Canada or the one after the Red Bull Ring or the Red Wool Wing as it's going to be called when Red Bull pull out uh, Graham Goodwin editor of DirtySportsCar.com is with us hello Graham Good evening, everybody. Hope you can hear me well. No, we perfectly. can claim, yes. Very yes, well. Very, very, very nice. clear to the headset's been recharged, obviously. Absolutely. Yes. That was a completely different headset. I've <laughs> read the other ones in the uh, the skip that shall not mention its name. Uh, <laughs> excellent stuff. Now, Graham, last week on the show... Mm-hmm. I you, scored zero in a terrible scored, quiz. You scored zero. Uh, I haven't heard this yet. Nick, Nick Damon's going to be playing later on uh, in this week's show. Uh, do you think he could uh, equal that score? Um, I think he's going to at least equal it. Um, certainly, I think he'd do well to do any worse than I did. I've, I've actually managed to expunge it from my memory as to exactly what was going on. It does seem a remarkably kind of regular occurrence that I'm kind of ambushed into a quiz that I know nothing about. It's uh, it's just like so many other things in my life. Uh, and uh, you say you've expunged it from your memory. Does that mean you've got no advice for Nick Damon tonight? 
Uh, honestly, if I did, and it came down to the difference between me being the only person embarrassed by that, I'm afraid you've lost out there, Nick. Yeah. Mm. Just before we move on to sports car news, uh, Richard Simpson reminds me we were talking about WRC uh, and the revamp of WRC, and there's a quite interesting few points being made on Twitter, some of which uh, Thomas Fellows I completely agree with. Uh, he says uh, 10 uh, years of active international spec cars. Uh, uh, BRC may, may well struggle um, but also um, Richard Simpson says uh, Toyota Motor Group in Cologne has tested a new WRC car for the last 16 months but it is now not going to commit to WRC so these new regulations may be too little too late uh, sports car news Graham in a very busy Ooh. weekend you were at the uh, at the Spielberg ring weren't you I was and it's fantastic I'm very I'm, very I envious. told you that what a proper place you're absolutely right Nick a lovely place I mean I've, I've been to the circuit before but before it was reopened it was just passing by on a, on a road trip um, it's a fabulous part of the world. And what I a think great I've circuit. driven past it before when I was on a car launch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, quite possibly. Mm. It's, it is one of those kind of areas. But uh, fabulous scenery, great lot, loads of elevation to it, great view from the press room. Thank God, a press room with a view. Um, and there's clearly a lot of sensible investment going in there. The other thing I'd say as well, before I go off on a kind of sports car mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, kind of conversation, is what we also had was a package that really worked. We had... Uh, TCR, which uh, for those that don't know, total um, control racing, little jam oh, oh, You know what? If you heard it here, not quite first. That is a series that I believe, and a set of regulations that I believe will go places. Oh, really? Completely common sense. Uh, cars look good. Uh, they certainly didn't look the three hundred thousand euros cheaper than a WTC uh, WTCC car that they are. And um, a, a good bunch of people behind that series, lots of uh, you know familiar faces involved in that, and the the Renault V6s, which are mm. proper sounding cars. And had it not been for Roberto Mary uh, pulling what I believe to be the most dangerous thing I've seen in a race car, uh, ooh, close to ever. So you don't uh, think Nick Latifi was anywhere no. at fault? No, absolutely in no way whatsoever. I completely disagree with that. No, I'm terribly sorry. That was Roberto Merry losing his temper because he'd lost it, being uh, dealt a 10-second post-race penalty, knowing full well that was going to drop him down to the bottom of the top 10 or worse, and throwing a hissy fit. And he got across the line, John, and he either braked heavily or lifted right off. He crawled by me and was hit, hit so hard from behind by Nick Latifi. I had no Lati- real reason to expect someone was going to stop on the finish line. Well, except um, that he had a clear view of the finish line from 200 metres further back since he came out the last sh- Not quite sure that's completely right. No, but either is. Way, Absolutely. Either, I've seen every angle. He, either way. You can't drive either, a racing car at 100 miles an hour and just look at the end of your nose cone. If someone's going to brake test somebody on a start-finish straight that fast, at some point it's going to go wrong. And honestly, John, I can hear what you say, but pointing the finger of blame to anybody else other than Roberto no, no, Murray no, would I, be completely I, I, wrong. I, still, I think there's some part of the responsibility lies with the guy who drove flat out into a bloke that for three seconds, quite clearly, maybe more than that, he should have been able to see. If that had been on the street and a guy had stopped for whatever reason and you'd driven up the back of him, it'd be your fault. If, the, if, if Mary's car had cranked in gear and got yep. stuck and he drove into the back of him, we would have been pointing the finger at the There Latifi. is one major difference in that a uh, Formula Renault 3.5 does not have brake lights. Well, if he'd run out of fuel? Yep. 
you know, I, I'm sorry, Latifi's got to bear some of the brunt in, in uh, some of the responsibility in my eyes. I think that. But but either way, that aside, um, the the reality is that was a package that worked, mm. and um, it was free entry as well as we it said was last free week. Entry really? Reasonable, reasonable yeah, it was crowd three point five. Yep, Re- reasonable crowd there. It was a package that worked. It hung together nicely. There's been a fair number of times where we've had either mm. a WC meeting or an ELMS meeting where the support package has been somewhat underwhelming this wasn't one of them it, it was a great weekend's entertainment the only downside to the red bull ring is it's a two and a bit hour drive from from vienna other than that perfect uh okay let's have a quick chat before uh, we take the break at nine about elms then uh, pretty decent race from what i saw and oh, yeah. heard um ultimately the front of the field was and the top step of the podium was the the grandstand finish that we might have had was rather spoiled by a uh, a penalty which clearly was justified but then wasn't taken properly and it was that the Tyrrell car that messed that up rather the badly. The Tyrrell car had a had a great race but a poor end to it. Uh, the Jota car had an absolutely faultless race and were mm. the deserved winners um, because they they lost out big time to. Uh, two safety cars and actually what this race was more than anything else and uh, uh, don't let me forget to talk about another standout performance in LMP2 as well as GT what it reminded us of is what it used to be like before we had slow zones and full course yellows Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because we've not got that in the race at the moment um, for uh, the European Le Mans series principally because the cars are not fitted with the Magneti Morelli system so it's it's difficult to police but what it showed us and uh, reminded us lest we needed it um, was that it can be pretty disruptive to a race where someone's got the head down and gone away from the pack which is exactly what happened with Felipe Albuquerque uh, and Felipe Albuquerque did it twice uh, but was reeled in both times, not by his competition, but because the safety car was scrambled. Fair enough. That's them's the rules, etc., etc. But between the three drivers in the Jota car, uh, it was a corking run from them. Uh, great run as well from t- uh, TDS by Tyria. Uh, excellent stuff too from the Murphy Prototypes team, and an excellent uh, run as well from the number 37 SMP racing car, the BRO1. Now, there's one of two stories that came from the race, John in LMP2 because that car has been tested by Murphy prototypes. Not only that, Greg Murphy arranged for the car to go on the Multimatic rig. Uh, I think it's in Thetford, isn't it? And that car was at least a second and a half quicker a lap than we've seen it before and were deserved uh, podium sitters. The final car I'd like to make a mention of, though, was the Eurasia. Um, Not Eurasia, Eurasia Mm. uh, Orica. I think there's more news to come from that team in the coming days, by the way. Uh, but because of some small pit work under the safety car, they put themselves out of sequence. And what that uh, that led to was a fabulous race in the middle uh, of, the, of, of, the, of the race with Pujon Jin uh, up against Simon Dolan. Now, you know, I'd have put very good money on Simon driving by and uh, them never seeing him again. But that wasn't the way it worked out. Drove out of his skin great drive from Pujon Jin if it wasn't for the fact that they were yet another team to suffer a penalty they'd have finished with a very good uh, very good um, run as well the other standout drive though uh, without a shadow of a doubt was from the number 55 car Duncan Cameron and Matt Griffin yes. Matt, uh, with a fabulous race to the end against Mikel Mack who eventually just outguessed uh, Matt in traffic after it held him off for lap after lap but the race of the race was by Aaron Scott, the car 
put to the back of the grid from pole position. So back at the at the back of a 29 car uh, grid after um, just uh, traces of what we believe was the uh, the spec fuel from the International GT Open from the previous week was found in the rig. No performance gain, but the rules are the rules, as the boy said. Uh, started from the back of the the uh, the the 29 car grid and worked his way up through the whole field uh, to the lead of GTE within about an hour and uh, about as good a race as I can remember seeing in GTE for for many a year in ELMS great runs from others too including JMW yet another team I'm afraid to suffer uh, the vagaries of penalties and good news there by the way from Jim McWhorter who is looking towards the WEC next year with his fabulous yellow Ferrari I heard that. That's that is brilliant news. Yep. For him, we need uh, a bit of gym us. in the WEC. No, I agree. I agree. Um, and I was sad to see those guys fall foul of uh, of penalties while leading as well, wasn't it? It was. It was a great run from Rob Smith to start with. Sam Tordoff, uh, a very good run, uh, then fell foul. I'm not sure whether or not it was overtaking under yellows or making uh, ground on yellows or whether or not it was one of many people who were done for pit lane speeding. But either way, that put them out of the lead battle and ultimately did for them in terms of a, uh, a a chance at a podium. So we'll wait and see. Uh, um, but uh, the first non-Silverstone LMS race I've seen for a couple of years now, John, I was thoroughly entertained, and I'm delighted to say I'll be at the last two as well. Uh, OK, that is great. Stay with us. Uh, the last two, are you? OK, I'm, I'm, I think I'll be at record. Uh, stay with us, Graham. Uh, we've just gone past at nine o'clock, which means it's time for this. Midweek Motorsport. There's still another hour of this nonsense. Uh, so more of Graham Goodwin to come in the second hour of this show. I should have said this earlier on. Don't forget, at Radio Le Mans or at Specutainment if you'd like to tweet to us. Uh, and for those of you asking, no, we're not at a racetrack. That really was just very high-performance traffic going <laughs> somewhere near us at Hangdorf Towers, either over the other side of, uh, of Islip or uh, down the down the back road which sounds like we should be out there enjoying it Nick rather than sitting mm-hmm. in here Marshall Pruitt of Racer.com will join us as well in the second hour of the programme and more importantly Nick Damon will be playing The Price is Right like a lamb to the slaughter it's on the second hour here on Midweek Motorsport Series 10 episode 28 and more sports cars next Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com uh, so into the second hour, we charge unabated speed, uh, just like Nick Latifi, straight into the back of Roberto Berry. <laughs> <Mary. laughs> uh, Graham Goodwin is with us for the editor of DailySportsCar.com. Uh, Not the only sports car. It was a very busy weekend. Uh, British GT at Spa at the weekend. Uh, yeah, good. So by the sound of it, uh, from what was far from a packed press room um uh, it was a good old uh, run for those guys as well um you know uh beach dean taking the win uh i'm trying to think that's not their first this year is it uh, beach dean but uh but you know it it's again looking like a very good uh, year for the british gt championship and the uh, the issy lotus actually taking uh, perhaps an unexpected win in gt4 so you know it's <sighs> GT racing, it, it really is in its pomp at the moment. I agree. And, and you know, we're better to go and watch a GT race than uh, than Spa-Francorchamps. No, absolutely. And uh, happy we're there, not this weekend coming, of course, but the following weekend uh, for the Spa 24 hours. The, the thing for me that has transformed 
GT racing is the undoubted rise and rise of national series brought about by the GT3 regulations. And that has been, I think, uh, an unexpected but very welcome bonus to the stability that GT3. Now, I accept that GT3 at the very sharp end, as I think many other people will, is starting to get a bit ridiculous. But I think what it has done this far is it's completely reinvigorated national championships. And we were talking about WRC a few moments ago in a way that, in, in exactly the same way that WRC rallying hasn't done with national rally championships. Back in the day, when I started getting involved in rallying, you would see some ex-world championship cars. You would get people running uh, cars to a similar spec. Uh, then, of course, you had... Uh, the Super 1600s or the Formula 2 cars at various times that were sort of down spec cars and only two-wheel drive and that sort of thing. Very interesting to see how that has disappeared and with it, sadly, it's gone a lot of the interest in national rallying. There, um, any idea, Sir Stuart Hart, I've got this uh, coming for you, Graham, about Newbridge Motorsport. Two yes. P3 grids, two, three P3s for next year. And so the P3 grid could be something into double figures next year in ELMS. Uh, well, I think very much into double figures, if indeed they let it be. I think we, I think we wrote about Newbridge uh, some months ago. They're looking for driver interest. Who are they? Uh, they've done, from memory, I think haven't Newbridge done VAG Trophy before now. Mm. I think they might have done. Uh, but it's one of a number of teams uh, that are looking really for um, Porsche GT3 is what they've done. And uh, I think, aren't they the guys running the Team Brit efforts? Ah, so I think right, they are. Okay, right. That was the uh, but guys certainly that was they've, at... been lo- they've been looking for um, the uh, possibility of uh, an LMP3 program for m- well, most of the, uh, the year that the, the P3 category has been out there. And I remember talking some months ago. Uh, to the team and uh, to, you know, to, just to keep up with what actually what was going on there uh, from memory. I think it's, is it Richard Tovey? I think looks after um, the, I think it is Richard Tovey at Newbridge Motorsport, but it's one of, I would say about half a dozen or more teams at the moment, John, they're looking either at the European Le Mans series mm-hmm. or indeed at the Asian Le Mans series, because there's beginning to be green shoots there of, I mean, certainly at uh, the Red Bull ring, uh, the Algar Pro guys told us that they'll miss Fuji. There's a bit of a, not quite a clash, but a bit too close to comfort with the ELMS, but they will do the, the, the last three of the four. Uh, there is another effort that I'm aware uh, are likely to commit pretty soon, which are people close to our hearts in LMP2. And I heard today of potentially a third, none of which have contested in LMP2, the Asian Le Mans series before, also an LMP3. And actually, a read across with what you said a moment ago, John, about national series is uh-huh. we hear that Orica, who run the French GT, the FFSA GT series, are considering adding an LMP3 class to the national French GT championship. That's because the French GT championship is possibly one that's not thrived with the GT3 era, maybe suffered a little from the uh, closeness of the Blompan series down through the years. And that's been, uh, you know, an issue on and off for a number of the national series. But uh, we could start to see LMP3 cars emerging, not just as something you could potentially join someone else's class. So, for instance, with Dutch supercars and with V2V, but a standalone LMP3 class 
in the um, the Orica Run French GT uh, Championship next year. Actively under consideration at the moment. Uh, pickled Axe. Brilliant handle on the Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective Forum at RadioLamont.com. Uh, and I haven't seen you posting before, Pickled, so if you have, I apologise, but uh, welcome anyway. It says Eurasia was testing at Zandvoort today with Nick De Bruyne and yes, yep. GP2 driver Daniel De Jong. Uh, yeah, driving that car. The... Uh, and if I could open the email that's been sent to me, which unfortunately, and my guess is it might well be uh, Pickled Axe or someone close to him that actually sent it, uh, I'd be having pictures of that car uh, right now on uh, on Delhi Sports Car. But uh, wait and see uh, what might come from that effort. Uh, the, I, you know, talking to the people in the paddock at um, at Red Bull Ring about the machinations at the moment in LMP2, there are frankly. Two completely separate camps. Mm. There's camp one that says they've got it wrong. Mm -hmm. And yes, you'll get a couple of teams and manufacturers heading towards LMP1, but only a couple. And that they believe that potentially you might see numbers down by about 20%. I'd agree with that. Camp two, um, who were delighted to see the uh, Formula Renault 3.5s in the uh, the paddock, um, talked about the potential for teams from series like that and drivers from series like that to get involved in sports car racing. There certainly was interest, lots of people looking very closely um, from the the Renault 3.5 grids at a number of P3 and P2 cars in the garages when they set up their equipment for practice sessions, for instance. But interesting times, we'll know. We'll know when we get to February, John, and you know, hopefully you and I don't have to wake up at 2am again to actually hear what the mm. uh, the the annual kind of entry lists are going to be. He, he, but... Here's the thing, about, and by the way, we're not going to go into great detail about LMP2. We said we'd pr- try and put a special programme together. Uh, we've yep. got some quotes from people at the weekend. Uh, now, whether that is later this week or sometime next week, we're still trying to get a f- hold of a few people for that. We'll get Graham, we'll get Marshall uh, on the case and uh, try and get hold of a few of the interested parties. We've got some so far. Uh, th- I think the biggest issue that was something that Jeremy Shaw brought up is that uh, as far as the homologation date is concerned, it's not going to work. The homolo- homologation date is uh, the end of November 2016 for cars that have to run in the row before the 24, um, some five weeks after that. So if the if the homologation isn't finalised at that time, how in the name of anything, um, it just doesn't make any sense that nobody will be able to buy anything, nobody will test anything, nobody will be able to have anything delivered. So that is something. There's a lot of detail there that needs sorting out. I'm still interested about this mixed um, engine uh, category in ELMS that, mm. that allows... That was, a, that was a, a big surprise to a lot of people, though it's, in fairness, it wasn't a surprise to some of the teams. The, I, I just don't, I don't understand how that's going to work and also how many engines people are going to be allowed to use as well because if you're a manufacturer effectively building one engine at uh, unlimited cost uh, for potentially just one car you could be supporting, of course, then you can throw engines at it like, you know, M&Ms, um, particularly somewhere like Le Mans, and that's going to just make a, a complete farce out of the cost-cutting side of the chassis regulations that are apparently such an important part of these regulations. Um, anyway, more of that uh, later on. Um, GT3 we talked about earlier on and uh, kind of mixed with 
LMP2 because SMP aren't at the moment uh, an LMP2 manufacturer. They say that their uh, chassis that they've developed, which is showing a bit of promise now, um, can't be easily converted to LMP1. But GT3? Not sure. I mean, they, the, what, the, the specific quote from SMP Racing, whilst I'm pretty clear to be blunt, John, the um, the direction they're heading is P1 ah. with a new car. I think uh, I think the the answer there is that said uh, it, we're told very directly. We've always made it clear, always made it clear that the BR01 P2 Coupe that we've we've got this year will not be the only car that. Uh, BR Engineering produces. They made it clear also that because the LMP2 Avenue is now closed to them as a manufacturer, uh, the LMP3 uh, as uh, you know a level of interest is is more or less closed to them as well because it, mm. it fails then to give them an opportunity for people to graduate from one of their cars to another. So uh, in one fell swoop, it, it, that disappears. Which, if they're going to stay in sports cars, and I absolutely certain they will means that the only available option to them is lmp1 uh they've got a very good designer on the books in paolo Catoni. uh they've got the ability to produce a pretty quick and pretty car um and i would be surprised at this stage if when we hear at or around the final round of the european le mans series this year uh, the, amongst the options they're considering very seriously, I'd be very surprised if an LMP1 car, privateer car, is not one of them. And the, uh, as I say, we'll discuss the machinations of the P2 regulations uh, in a, a future show here. Uh, suffice to say, I think you're seeing the people fall into a couple of camps that you're speaking to. Yep. I think in some ways the good news is, without going into the detail, I'm not going to go into the detail here, the good news is there are very few people who don't have some opinion about it. So it, it, at least people are talking about it. Um, it's, you know, it's dividing people, uh, not always down the lines that one might have thought. Um, but it's interesting. I, I, I still think there's more questions than answers at the moment. And I agree. We're, we're too far out to have as many questions as we have. It needs needs to, needed to have been sat down and thought about more um, holistically than it has been. I think they've started with the answer and worked backwards rather than starting with a question and finding the answer to it. That's just how I feel about it. I just hope it all works out. It's part of a big shake-up, Graham, of, you know, next year we've got new GTE regulations. Uh, We've got, obviously, uh, the... American series looking for a whole new set of prototypes in 17 in conjunction with what we're hearing about LMP2. There's a lot of stuff going on at the moment and one false step could completely upset the status quo, could upset the, the, the effectively um, the, the, the system that's working kind of okay at the moment. Well, I think, I think the concern... Putting aside the detail, John, the, the general concern that I've got, I can recall it's not that long ago when we were having fairly regular conversations about, um, you know, how stable things felt. And P2 was in good shape. P3 was on the horizon. Don't change anything in GTE, etc., etc. Yes, P1 um, was at the uh, probably at the bottom and started to swing up in that cycle. But I think the problem is you're absolutely right. There's more questions than answers and that's lending 
itself to a kind of feeling of instability. It may not be unstable, but it feels as if it is. It feels as if there's going to be another sharp tangent taken again um, somewhere else in you know what is a kind of very complex series of regulations. And you know, um, you know, I voice to you in conversation now, uh, and in particularly in relation to LMP1 when we were talking about uh, the potential for those cars to be reeled in. Got to be very careful because it's so knife edge. You know, that whilst there's been some very clever work done in terms of regulations, what we've got are some very different cars that perform across a full lap or across a full stint or across a full race in remarkably similar fashion. If you mess with one aspect of that, that is going to uh, unduly affect one car rather than all the cars. Mm. And that's what my concern is here is, you know, I don't want to use the, the, the word medal because it sounds pejorative. But we need them not to meddle. We need basically to have some stability here, to let the teams bed in, to mm. let, let's face it, let some of these guys involved in motorsport make some money because actually that's what's going to stand the sport in good stead Agreed. rather than trying to kind of move things on in, in giant steps every two or three years. Mm. It's not required. It's not required. Uh, stability is definitely the best policy at the moment. Um, joining us now from the United States of America is Marshall Pruitt from Racer.com. Hey, Marshall, how are you? Good, mate. How about you? Blimey, Blimey he's loud. Hang on. <laughs> I've got him. Um, very well. Story of my life. Yes, well, we, we, <laughs> we would not have you any other way. Uh, all good stuff. And um, we've got Graham Goodwin on the line as well. Graham, if you'd stay with us, because there's one or two other bits Slightly. and pieces that uh, we'd like to bring up with you, but I'd uh, just like to get the US view on a couple of things and your view on a couple of the US things as well, Graham, as we rattling through sports car news tonight here on Midweek Motorsports Series 10, episode 28. Still to come, by the way, Nick plays The Price is Right. The uh, the weekend at CTMP, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. Uh, I know you were listening in because we were chatting uh, online whilst we were doing it too. Pretty good races. Continental Tires, really Really good race, fantastic ending, very tactical two hours and 40 minutes in the Tudor United sports car race. And just reminded me, having not been that there last year, Marshall, why I love going to Canada, to Bournemouthville and to that racetrack. Fabulous venue. Perfect venue, perfect country for motor racing. Woefully, dreadfully underserved right now uh, for major north american road racing uh, events though so uh, it's funny as indycar looks to try and increase its everything going forward as imsa looks to grow in popularity I mean, there's a lot of things you can try one thing we know that works is going to canada because i really i can't think of uh a proper road race in, in canada that has not been well attended toronto on the indycar side has had mixed fortunes recently uh, with some date changes and whatnot. But I can tell you, if you're going to Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, if you're going to some of the other traditional uh, road courses that uh, have the proper FIA rating, uh, man, you're, you're pretty much guaranteed to have a quality uh, quality crowd. Uh, and indeed, we had that people camping on Thursday right the way through the weekend. Decent walk up on Sunday. Good weather helped uh, as well. Slightly fortuitous win on Sunday for <laughs> for Wayne Taylor Racing battling with a 
uh, Ricky and Jordan battling with a car that was somewhat recalcitrant in the power steering department and tiny, tiny, tiny mistake in the last pit stop by the Action Express 31 car. They were off kilter because they'd had a tyre going down early on in the piece and had to uh, get that replaced. Almost made that work for them, but for a couple of seconds where the fueler, and not his fault, just couldn't get the rig in, and that really made the difference. A couple of interesting things came out of it. Um, all of the tyre companies reporting how abrasive the surface was at Canadian Tyre Motorsport Park. Uh, some new surfacing heading up towards Turn 5 that was redone at the weekend. The high-density dark patches that you could see on the, on the pictures there were causing... Uh, the tyre company some issues and it seemed to be that whoever got across the tyre temperatures thereby the pressures the most Marshall in pretty much everything that raced there that weekend were the were the people who had the best results very much the case uh, and that's as we speak about quite frequently Heidi if we can go into an event where you know people aren't necessarily just opening up the same old playbook pulling from the same old setup, using exactly what they know will work. A little bit of that, uh, if you can't predict what's going to happen, or if you have a greater probability of teams hitting or missing, whether it's uh, a change in ambient temperature outside what they expected, uh, surface changes in teams, some teams having to gamble a little bit on what they expect to be the optimum tire pressures or otherwise, uh, it just make to me it makes for better racing. Mm. So I know that flies against all the zillions of dollars spent on engineers <laughs> and simulation and data, but there there's just some great stuff that tends to come from a, a basic shuffling of expectations. So to your point, we did see that definitely. Uh, there was not only uh, different tire wear than expected, but also managing. Uh, tires with the uh, change in surface. So yeah, good stuff. And you know, heck, I would say all right. Ron Fellows and company, pick another corner next year, resurface that, don't tell anybody, and let them deal with it. Oh, that's almost like Bernie's idea of having random uh, water sprinklers at corners. Just add yeah, water, exactly. it'll be fine. Uh, the A couple of standout performances at the weekend, clearly the guys that won the classes all did very, very well. A couple of people who've had hard times recently that I think need to have the, the spotlight on them, uh, that being Mazda uh, and the, you know, their performance at the weekend uh, much better, but also Delta Wing, uh, a, a concept that I've not always been behind, and I'm still really not sure about. Not, but we say not, not always or not ever, Heine, well, but uh, I digress. Um, you know, it's it's something that I've found it interesting to discuss. Let me put it that way. But you know, their best lap time less than a second away from the best lap time in the race. And they started, even this weekend, they started four and a bit seconds off the pace. Now, you can say that that's not exactly the same concept as it started. But listen, whatever else, people who can do that and, and make those strides forwards as a group, never mind about the concept, as a group, I think that both Mazda and they deserve a, a little bit of credit. We love the wacky racers, whatever they are. They bring <laughs> variety. And yeah, so we the fact that we have a car that definitely falls in the wacky racer category and does not embarrass itself, uh, at least in terms of pace, uh, look, it's a positive to me. And I know I'm repeating myself from many past episodes of Midweek Motorsport, but this is 
at least in name, a prototype class, mm. not a spec class. Mm -hmm. So bringing out something that is different, that conforms, a, you know, admittedly to no known rule book, but something that comes in in the, the wacky category, that's trying something different, bizarre, or otherwise, uh, and shows up for most races and attempts to do something unique or positive, that to me is prototype racing. Uh, we know that they have continual problems. Uh, it looks like that car will be uh, uh, scuttled for GT program, and hopefully the GT program goes well. Mm. I just know that if I'm a fan, and I tend to see kind of the same look, same-ish looking GT cars, same-ish looking prototypes year after year, having something to go, what the heck is that? Mm -hmm. uh, for me, that's a positive thing. That's an attraction, a point of attraction. So uh, good on them. Whenever they succeed, uh, Petit Le Mans last year was obviously the high point for them. Sure. Competitive from start to finish. Great result. Almost made the podium. I mean, that's that's when everything goes right, and hopefully we'll get to see that type of performance at least one more time before the uh, DWC 13 Coupe is uh, is retired. Uh, the Mazda, again, we didn't see the petrol, the gasoline-powered car at the weekend, but certainly from intelligence gained from within the paddock and, and good sources, um, stopwatches have been placed on that car when it's been testing. It's, <laughs> it's the... Um, it's a, the AER engine, it's the Multimatic uh, Lola-derived chassis, and that car's been running times in its petrol fuel form, apparently, uh, that are very competitive indeed. When, when we're going to see it, what a Mazda, what a John Doonan, what a Speed Source saying to you, Marshall, about when we might see that car, and what's stopping it from racing now? Uh, it's a bit of a cagey situation, Heidi, and, and to your first point, uh, we have had, excuse me, uh, what is it, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven uh, prototype races so far this year. The last six have been won by, uh, or all of them have been won by Daytona prototypes, but the last six of those seven have been won by Corvette DPs, and I'll just tell you... Uh, uh, probably exactly what you heard. Uh, one of the drivers in a very competitive Corvette DEP that was sharing the track with Mazda at uh, CTMP while the gas-powered Mazda P2 was being tested uh, radioed in to say it was not only faster in the corners, but faster in the straights. Mm. So we know the potential is there. It obviously would be upon IMSA to using their BOP structure to make sure the Mazda doesn't run away from the field. But we know the potential is there. As for why it isn't racing, uh, I don't know if that's 100% in Mazda North America's hand. From everything I have heard, okay. uh, these decisions are coming from on high outside of North American shores. There's also a practical thing to consider here, knowing that at least in America, uh, prototype slash P2 category is where the, our manufacturers play, unlike the WC in Europe. Mm -hmm. What kind of messaging does it send as a manufacturer, as someone selling road cars, including Skyactiv diesel road cars, if you were to have, say, one gas-powered and one diesel-powered prototype in the field, and the gas-powered car was lapping your diesel-powered car That's every it. whatever the number is, uh, but not you know every five to ten, however many laps, but just stonking fast. Uh, I don't know. That if is you a could do very that. very good point, actually. So. To me, at least, if we're going to see the gas-powered car, I would have to believe we would see two. 
yeah. gas-powered cars, or if they were going to leave one off the table, it would be diesel. Uh, we know that the diesel has to go away per the rules, so that yeah. isn't the that isn't the question. It's just a matter of timing and, frankly, marketing message. Uh, I know I wouldn't sign off on one gas, one diesel with the performance disparity uh, we just discussed. No. Um, before we, we leave the Tudor United Sports Car Championship, um, I think all of the three of us here have been um, sitting on a story that, that kind of broke over the weekend, or at least was mentioned over the weekend, that of Hugh Deshonak and Orica proposing an update kit for the prototype current prototype challenge cars that would keep them in the Tudor United Sports Car series uh, beyond 2000 the end of 2016, which is where they are saying that uh, they, that will be wound up at the moment. And that's, a, an, again, another big change to the Tudor United Sports Car Championship and uh, IMSA. Those eagle-eyed listeners who heard Scott Atherton being interviewed by me during our Watkins Glen uh, programme will have heard me pressing him quite hard on what else they were looking at uh, prior to the LMP3 test. Um, I'm, I'm told, I was told, post that that the proposal hadn't been made formally until quite recently and uh, p- potentially that's why Scott wasn't prepared to to say anything about it in in that uh, in that uh, interview I'll, I'll ask both of you and I'll, I'll start with you MP um, that seemed to have been uh, received quite well uh, in the paddock certainly from the PC guys that I spoke to and of course why wouldn't it be they've already got the kit the big issue, though, surely, is that's that's an open top car. It would, yeah. I mean, how's this? This is maybe winding back the clock just a little bit. Uh, this topic of should the Oreca PC car stay or should it go? Should you know? Should we pull in the Clash theme song for that? Uh, that's been going around for a little while, obviously. So nothing new there. But what has also been going on for a little while is the method to either. Uh, go forward with it, replacing uh, this older Areca chassis with something new. Should we update it? The paddock, the PC paddock itself, has proposed uh, changes of a variety of changes for over a year now. So I'm not dismissing Hugh or the news that you know uh, Areca has forth an official proposal. For from the manufacturer side on some updates to make the car better, different, faster, more everything. Just to me, if that's news, good, but the concept is far from new and it's something the portions of the PC paddock have been proposing for a while now. Like, and again, I'll just draw another North American parallel. IndyCar had its older Dallara chassis that raced for, I think, a 10 years, 11 years before it was finally updated. Part of the reason that change was made had nothing to do with the car's viability. It was cheap for people to run. Everybody owned it. Those things had been paid off years ago. So they could run it at a lower price per year and there was a good profit in it uh, as a result. But the part of the reason of going migrating to something new was, boy, it's getting harder to sell big sponsors paying drivers which is a huge part of the PC business model on this kind of older donkey that everyone's seen. Maybe we should go to something newer, yeah. a little more visual, sexy, well. visually sexy. Anyways, just to wrap that up quickly, Heidi, 
if Areka's pitch is the one that resonates the, the most, that's great. I just know that there are a number of team owners who had said, hey, we could update the body, more power. We could mm-hmm. go to this piece of technology. And at least when they were doing it among themselves, there was maybe 50% buy-in. So if, uh, let's just say the the PC paddock has been a fairly uh, interesting place where finding absolute buy-in start to finish has been a challenge. If Areka stepping in with a suggestion for an update is what brings the paddock to 75% or even 100%, I think that's great. Ultimately, I just would ask whether sticking with a 10-plus-year-old chassis is really the best thing that's going to keep the chassis, I'm sorry, the class healthy Mm. for years to come. Uh, Graham Goodwin at DailySportsCard.com makes perfect sense for Hugh DeShonak and Areka too. It's a business model uh, that I'm sure that they would be delighted uh, to continue with. But in an area of so much change, pushing... More work, Orica's way. Does that not start to at least look? I'm not suggesting that there's anything uh, that's any impropriety going on, but does that not smack of controlling the marketplace? And on a perfectly sensible note, if they're going to be building all of these new LMP2 cars, are they going to have enough capacity to be able to service, continue to service an LMPC plus? Well, first things first, I think uh, much as the, the enthusiast in me would like to see something new, it just would. It would be wrong to adopt a completely different stance on this than I've just adopted with P2. Um, you know, there is nothing wrong with the chassis. I'll admit they're not the most visual or orally or uh, appealing uh, cars, and they haven't been for some little while, but... They do seem to have, you know, a, a winning audience. They do seem to be kind of keeping teams and drivers uh, in the game. And that can't be knocked at the moment when numbers aren't exactly that strong. Mm. Um, the Orica factor, well, can't knock it. They, they've been successful. Uh, they've made it very clear, and including with the P2 uh, proposal they made where they are listed as both a French and American manufacturer, of course, with their US base. Um, I'm afraid with the with the way in which the rule set is actually coming now, John, we're going to have to look forward to a we're going to have to look forward to uh, an era of less variety, and what that means is we're going to be getting very familiar indeed in a number of classes with very much the same uh, suppliers for chassis for engines etc and orica is certainly going to be one of those we'll wait and see as to whether or not they're one of four or one of fewer than four yeah well that's a very good point um marshall before i move away from sports car racing we got the sad news recently of the death of an absolute giant in american sports car racing and uh, inextricably uh, linked with Corvette as well. John Greenwood uh, passed away. I had the great honour and pleasure of interviewing John along with some other uh, Corvette luminaries uh, a couple of three years ago at, at Sebring and John was a, a fantastic uh, fantastic interview. Somewhere that's on video and I think it, it's on an IMSA video somewhere. It's worth, it's worth watching. Um, I mean literally one of the real pioneers of, of what was going on in North America and beyond with endurance racing, particularly with Corvette. 
Yeah, big uh, big piece of the promotional aspect and the interest and just buzz surrounding North American sports car racing in the 1970s specifically. Uh, IMSA and IMSA's GT class uh, with his Corvette, the Greenwood Corvettes, not only were they popular with you know him driving and or with, you call it the, the factory Greenwood Corvette, but uh, those were also sold and became a popular, popular solution. Uh, you can definitely say that uh, he... His Corvettes, wide-bodied, crazy-looking Corvettes, uh, those were big attractions mm. to the uh, to IMSA during its uh, formative IMSA GT years when you had the BMW CSLs and Porsches and such that made up, uh, you know, really GT racing was what initially launched IMSA. And he flew not just didn't just fly the banner, but proudly American is a spirit of Sebring livery, spirit of Le Mans livery. I mean, there was a red, white and blue aspect to everything <laughs> that he did. And again, at a time when America was, you know, 1976 was a pivotal year for America. Uh, it was just the perfect car, perfect entrant, perfect time. Uh, big loss. And if there's maybe one thing to come out of his loss, it's that I hope that some of the younger fans of sports car racing of the Tudor Championship or WEC, just Google John Greenwood, read a little bit about him because not someone who doesn't really have a stake in today, but definitely was a part of the foundation of what got us here. Well, worth saying, guys, actually, John, and you remember this, that uh, the, the little free sort of excitement that went through the booth at the Nürburgring 24 hours when the old timers came out. Correct. And there was a Greenwood Corvette there on was. the old timers grid. And we the, went uh, and looked it up. We did. Which car's that? Which car's that? I think it was a 75 car. But uh, that's just fabulous looking things. Absolutely amazing things. And I'm afraid I never did meet John Greenwood, but I wish I had. Uh, because he'd have got a, a firm handshake from me, because those things were just fantastic. And it, it's, it, it is, if you like, uh, and it was part of the variety that I think we're going to be- bemoan the lack of as we move forward. Yeah, a uh, quick final thing for you, Graham, before I bounce back to Marshall with some IndyCar news, and we've still got uh, Game Show, The Price is Right. Too excited. He's too excited, yeah. Um, quick thought about the... Uh, debut of the 24 hours of Paul Ricard, or at least there have been 24 hour races there in the past, there's a one that, uh, funnily enough, that Orica runs with, uh, with Audi, with yes, yeah, with Audi Roadcast down there, and they prepare them all, the, they have to only roll them out the back of their factory to get them on the track, in fairness, Creventic <laughs> um, spreading their wings into another uh, another new venue as part of their endurance, or FIA endurance series, uh, and a, a victory uh, back to the winner's circle for Tom Onslow Colum for Ram Racing. Yeah, I think uh, it's Ram Racing's first 24-hour uh, race win. Their first race win, I think I'm right in saying, since the heady days of their ELMS uh, title win back in 2013. Their first win in the 24-hour series, full-season contenders there and in British GT, of course, with the Mercedes SLS, and uh, and a great result for them. By every account, uh, a race that uh, went down very well with the hugely enthusiastic Gravontic uh, paddock, and I've no doubt whatsoever they'll be back again next year. And uh, but for the time being, yes, a, a hearty well done mm. to Dan Shufflebottom and the guys, and to Thomas Jaeger, Tom Onslow Cole, Adam Christodoulou, and not least Paul White, the man with more Correct. great T-shirts than your average high street <laughs> uh, fashion retailer. 
Uh, thanks, Graham. We'll speak to you again next week. And don't forget that LMP2 special coming with Graham's input into it as well. Graham Goodwin, editor of DailySportsCar.com. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Good night, all. Marshall Pruitt is still with us. It's Series 10, Episode 28 on Midweek Motorsport. Quick word about IndyCar, uh, which was uh, happening at the weekend, which I managed to miss entirely because uh, I was up in Canada and I couldn't get the radio channel on XM in the XQ in the SQ5 that I was driving. And by the time I, I got where I was going, even if I'd had a television, I, I wouldn't have been able to watch it because it was finished. But that was a return to form uh, from a former champion. Uh, did I read somewhere that Sebastian Bordier had done quite well? Uh, yeah. <laughs> the last time... Uh... Seb put on such a uh, dominant performance, happened to be at Milwaukee mm-hmm. in Champ Car. And Seb, uh, not only great driving on his part, no question there, but gr- um, just impeccable strategy call by, by uh, team co-owner Jimmy Vassar, uh, engineering work by uh, Olivier Boisson. And yeah, they lapped the entire field. Uh, things got shuffled up a little bit towards the end, but yeah, the, it was the behind kicking of all behind kickings this season. Uh, great to see for Seb, uh, who you know has maybe not been uh, has rarely been accused of excelling at the art of oval racing, but here we go to the one tr- flat oval on the calendar a place where driving the car instead of using its setup to you know propel you forward is required and uh one of indycar's greatest road racing aces once again dominated uh at this uh lovely uh, historic track so and, and great stuff pulled himself level on race victories with little Lal. is that right yeah, yeah. So great stuff. Great for him. Great for the team. It's their second win of the year. That's also, to me, another uh, fantastic point coming out of Milwaukee that one of the teams that is uh, really never mentioned in uh, uh, among the top three, uh, the big three per se, they uh, they showed quite well. They've now put up two wins this year. Uh, Seb's not out of it in terms of the championship. He's in sixth, uh, but roughly 100 points behind Montoya. So some of the rough races they've had have definitely conspired against a championship run but uh seb is tied for uh, you know equal number of wins this season as montoya as dixon uh and uh, joseph newgarden so mm. uh, definitely a wonderful weekend for them and uh, if coming out of fontana which was crazy and just insane with the volume of passes and such um <laughs> milwaukee offered something completely different but to me, it also offered one of those uh, rare occasions where you can watch a virtuoso go out and just destroy the field. So I loved it. And good news. We're again, we're mostly talking about the racing. Uh, and we're also talking good news in terms of the TV audience for IndyCar as well. Yeah, that was something that I was following last weekend. Uh, NASCAR made its debut. The Sprint Cup made its debut on the NBC Sports Network cable channel, which also airs Formula One, IndyCar, Indy Lights, and uh, Global Rallycross. And it was the Sprint Cup Series happened to race Saturday night, caught most of that, and they had multiple tune-ins, a good 
15 to 30 second blocks pushing Sunday's IndyCar race on the same channel. And again, a little hard to say at this point whether that was one of the reasons that there was a really strong increase in viewership. But we'll get a chance to uh, track that even more this Saturday when NASCAR in uh, Xfinity Series, the second tier division, races. They start at 4 p.m on NBCSN, and IndyCar follows directly after at 8 o'clock. So should be interesting. Uh, and uh, what else have we got happening at the moment so that you can tell us about? I know you're working on a couple of secret things that will break later on uh, this week. Uh, sorry, go ahead, uh, Tim. Uh, we've had some more engine penalties in IndyCar, haven't we? Oh, yes, we have. That that was right. More engine penalties in, in IndyCar, Marshall. Yeah, it, it's the... It's the Wednesday post-event infraction email uh, <laughs> where we see who got fined for what and what, how the engine, uh, the manufacturer table uh, has been adjusted after whomever's engines blew up and whatnot. One of the things that we saw at Milwaukee, which has been a break from uh, the trend, uh, Chevy. Uh, losing uh, at least one engine that we saw. We did see that Honda lost multiple engines, and at least between the two manufacturers, uh, the number of Hondas, smoky Hondas, uh, has has been uh, pretty dire compared to the Chevy side, but we actually saw a Chevy blow up. So I'm just, that's one of those kind of magical unicorn moments. You're like, whoa. Uh, Anyways, yeah, the shake up there. So uh, Chevy has now a rather commanding lead in the manufacturer points. Earlier in the season, it wasn't necessarily the case, but uh, it it looks like they will continue to their, what, fourth consecutive manufacturer's title, unless something goes completely uh, wrong in the uh, remaining races. Uh, I had a question at the the weekend in post-race tech, in Michelin post-race tech, that I kind of wished I'd been able to get you on. And it it sort of melds those, that and uh, something we were talking about earlier, Mazda, together. Um, Somebody suggesting it wouldn't be the worst idea in the world if Mazda could come up with some kind of engine program that they could use both in IndyCar and in a prototype program what are the engine regulations refresh our memory the listeners memory about uh, uh, indycar regs at the moment it's a v6 isn't it yeah right now the rules paint uh, manufacturers into a 2.2 liter twin turbo v6 Mm. Uh, let's just say that the the eagerness for chevy and honda who have participated actively in the formation of those rules uh that that's maybe the one big takeaway unlike many other series where a series says these are the rules and if you like it show up uh indycar has actually worked with both manufacturers to continually shape their engine rules so while what is in place right now twin turbo v6 of a specific capacity uh v angle within this range Mm -hmm. or size of this that and the other uh, both manufacturers and IndyCar have, have told me uh, if someone comes in and has something that's outside of that but not too far outside and wants to play, if we can make it work, we'll make it work. So to the question of Mazda right now with their uh, the two-liter uh, turbocharged engine that they're developing uh, with AER in IMSA, uh, in theory, there's no reason that could not compete in IndyCar, uh, but there's definitely some questions about uh, longevity, right? Uh, whether it can make 
the 750 to you know pushing beyond maybe up to even 800 horsepower mm. while uh, lasting the minimum 2500 miles we know that again if we're talking a p1 car from audi or porsche yeah uh, those cars will make lots of uh, actually they won't make lots of horsepower but they will definitely last considerable periods we know that a lot of sports cars engines can make the power uh, but we don't know if they can necessarily make uh, the type of power needed to be competitive in any car and reach that minimum mileage threshold so uh, there are some possibilities there it mm -hmm. just depends on the comfort zones of both chevy and honda and indycar to say okay do we make you tick all the boxes outside of maybe your capacity differences or the amount of cylinders or you know what areas do we hold you to and what areas do we open up I th for me, it wouldn't just be the the metal bits, capacity this, cylinder bore that. It would also probably have to be some allowances outside of that in some of the other rules they have to make that go into our lovely Wednesday manufacture engine penalty updates. <laughs> MP, thanks very much. Stay tuned to uh, racer.com for some uh, sports car news and some GT news coming from Marshall in the next couple of days on racer.com. It should be one of the places that is uh, on your favourites anyway. And we'll speak to MP, uh, well, no later than next week, uh, but possibly even before that once we get this uh, P2 show nailed down. Thanks for tonight again, MP. Thanks, brother. Marshall Pruitt from racer.com. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport. Uh, it is Series 10, Episode 28. And is it time, Tim? Is it time? <laughs> Nick, in his suit, shirt and tie, is actually dancing. Oh, yeah. And now... It's time for our weekly game show. Tonight's contestant from Milton Keynes is Nick Damon. Come yeah. on down. Yes. That's what Yes, Nick, How come on work, down. This is He's the price down. is right. The price Yay. is right. Uh, so all the answers to tonight's questions. Please yeah. lose the music, please. Thank you. I'll just turn it down, Very not off. Lovely. Down. Good. Lovely. Uh, all the answers to tonight's questions yep. are uh, someone whose name is Price. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So think of everybody you know with the name of Price Katie and Price. just start saying yes. Katie Price. Somehow I knew that that would be the first one you would pick, oddly. Yes. Uh and this is a time show. Yes, this is very important, Nick, and something yes, which don't I, think, just pass. I think oh, go on. it may have caught out uh, Graham. Graham last week because um, only, we only got through, I think, eight questions uh, in his uh, one minute. Uh, right. Okay. I'm going to so switch I'm gonna put that's annoying me now. I know. I'm going to put a minute on the, on the countdown. So it is here. for one minute, Nick. Yes, yeah, stand happy, by. Happy that it's one minute. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Stand by. I do actually have a countdown uh, clock on this um, that I can uh, fire up. <laughs> uh, there we are. Uh, timer is what I'm looking for. Timer's on the radio, always good. Timer, <laughs> yeah. Uh, now we need to set that for a full minute. Timer tone. What would, what would you, what would you like the timer to sound like, people? The TARDIS. Oh, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> Uh, let's turn it right up. Uh, it'll beep three times, apparently. It'll go... 
Oh, okay, that's your, that's, that, that's your timer. That's your timer. That's your Your time is up. Okay. Right, uh, and your one minute is on the clock, and your time starts when Tim starts asking the first question. Okay. I'm a German racing driver who's competed in the Nürburgring 24 hours in both the SP6 and A7 classes. Klaus. Price. Is incorrect. I was runner-up in the 2005 Australian Formula Ford Championship. Barry Price. Is incorrect. I earned an international license at the age of 16 after competing in Latvia. His surname's Price. No, a name is Price. It doesn't have to be a surname. Price Waterhouse. <laughs> I'm a team boss who ran WAMS. David Price. Andrew Ridgely in the French Formula 3 Championship. Wait until I finish asking the question. <laughs> Dave Price. Is correct. Oh, he's got one. I'm a motorsport photographer from Charlotte, North Carolina. Brian Price? Is incorrect. A bit faster. Sorry. I've won 12 National Tarmac Rally Championships. I'm going to let him answer that because there was a pause before there was, that started. Yeah, we'll, so we'll give him a little bit of time. Gwyneth Price is incorrect. Mm, I like that beaming. We might use that again. Nick yeah. Damon scores one. Let's give him a round of applause if I can remember which one it is. Brilliant stuff. Can we go through the ones that you've got wrong? Once you've got wrong, well. Yes. Uh, I'm a German racing driver who's competed in the Nürburgring 24 hours in both the SP6 and A7 classes. You've covered the Nürburgring 24 hours for mm. us, haven't you, Nick? No. No, he hasn't. He's uh, never been there. In that case, uh, I'll give, you, I'll excuse you not knowing that that was Jonathan Price. Right. A very uh, German name. Runner-up in the 2005 Australian Formula Ford Championship. That was Shane Price. Oh, Shane! <laughs> Should have got that. Shane! Uh, I earned an international <laughs> licence at the age of 16 after competing in Latvia. Well, John, you'd know uh, what sort of people compete in Latvia, would Rally you? drivers. Rally Rapians. drivers. Uh, and so that's Ocean Price. Uh, that's, apparently that's not how you see it. Uh, that is, yes, Oshie. it's Ocean. Oh. It, last week I said Ocean, which... All uh, oh, right, Ocean. Wrong, so Sorry, yes, ocean that's is right. Ocean. No, it's Ocean. Yeah. Oshin. I know an Oshin. It's okay. Oshin. Okay. Oshin Price. Okay. Uh, I'm a team boss who ran Wham's Andrew Ridgely in the French Formula 3 and Championship. And you said Dave Price and you were right. Which he said after, I'm a team boss. <laughs> he didn't <laughs> wait for the question. No. Uh, motorsport photographer from Charlotte, North Carolina. That's Jamie Price. Mm. Uh, and I've won 12 National Tarmac Rally Championships is, of course, John Price. Yeah. And I have seen John Price and his marvellous 6R4, among other things. Right, I'm pleased I got one. Yes, that puts you top of the leaderboard now. I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed to miss out on Shane. <laughs> yes, I did, uh, you know. Hmm. Shane Price and his fresh best friend Bouncer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, six minutes to go. And uh, do we have a pointless press release of the week this week? We don't. Oh, OK. Mm. Have you got anything you want to discuss then? Not especially, uh, oh, but I think we should talk early, about we? Uh, MotoGP briefly. <laughs> That's the end of that then. Uh, what, I mean the uh, the Honda Benefit, mm. as it has been for the last 70,000 years. Where were we? Saxon Ring in Germany. The Saxon Ring the in car, Germany. The track that goes every single quarter bar one is one way right rather than left. And they have to have you actually leaned left and as you said that. they have to have a special tyre. Oh, really? Yeah. It's like Thruxton, sort of. It's got a special tyre lift, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, Mark Marquez won. And oh, Marquez back to form, shocker. Honda, Saxon. Honda, Honda. 
It's always going to happen. Where did Valley come? Let, no, let me prove to you uh-huh. that it's a Honda track. Mm-hmm. Danny Pedroza was second. Oh, right. Okay. And third? Rossi. Oh, Podium so Valley... every race this year, and Lorenzo was fourth. So, so Rossi's st- lead's gone up to 30. Right, so still but leads the championship. He's still be on the podium every single race. That is quite remarkable, isn't it? I know we've talked about this before. but that, or something. That is just absolutely remarkable. So in the ebb and flow, um, apart from those four races in a row which Lorenzo won, every other race he's finished behind Rossi. Um, I know I, they were apart from four races, quite a big apart from, but... Yeah, no, we're, I, we're I, only nine races into the season or something like that. No, about... I do think that is remarkable that Rossi's having this kind of season. It's uh, fantastic. Uh, fantastic. Uh, and uh, Moto2? I have no idea. I only saw MotoGP. How did the Brits get on? I don't know because I, I recorded MotoGP because I, I was completely in, forgot because I was, I was away, like not you. in country. So I watched I watched it on, as we were talking about watching things on Fast Forward, uh-huh. and I kind of thought, oh, it's a Honda benefit. Then it took a while for um, Pedros to get past Rossi, but that was it really. But it's it, you go there, you know it's going to happen before you get there. Uh, okay, all good stuff. Do you want to tell you what happened in Moto2? Just a result, please, that would be good. And uh, where they go next as well would be also good, but I can do that while you're telling me you, what happened in Moto2. You tell me where they go next then. Right. We're getting close um, to the Breeze Grand Prix, aren't we? Uh, yes, we must be. Oh, I can't. I've lost the internet. So. And I've got no three. results for Moto2 or Moto3. Did they oh, even happen? Ah, maybe they didn't. It wasn't no, a full no, no, weekend. No, 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 it's a full weekend. The only place that's not a full weekend is one of the, one of the American brands. Uh, is Corda, in fact, isn't it? Mm, yes. No, no. Because they'll have AMA instead. It used to be Laguna. Laguna used ah. to be just Moto2. Well, I'm not quite sure what's I going on But they don't now. have Laguna anymore because yeah, it's Corda. Yeah, I'm now. <laughs> Uh, Okie dokie, well, uh, we almost got the end without looking completely <laughs> numbties. Oh, we were doing really well, weren't we? We're so close. As soon as Barcelona goes, we've lost all direction. It's starting to get dark here now, we'll have to come in soon. Oh, is that what the problem on? is? Who? It's got very quiet, can't see anything, and I've lost internet. So now I can't look anything up. Um, so that's just about it for tonight. It was uh, um, Xavier Simeon who won okay. uh, Moto2. Javier. What's on, no, what's on this weekend? It's not much this weekend, is there? Uh, this weekend, uh, we have the European short track finals at Northampton. I know, but you're all going on Sunday and I can't go Sunday. Can you not? No. Danny I Kent won Saturday in Moto3. All right, thank you. Uh, if those of you who are within a decent drive of uh, Northampton uh, Speedway, then it will be worthwhile going down there on Saturday and particularly on Sunday for the finals day. Bit of a um, bit of a Radio Show Limited day out with uh, the boy Palmer and Bradley and me, and uh, and special guests as well uh, heading down there for a bit of short track action. Which he's, I'm very he's got much a busy week, boy Palmer, hasn't he? He has got a busy week. Him and Bradley doing? are doing. Um, oh, Amok, aren't they? Amok at Snet on Saturday. Oh, yeah, there's an Amok meeting at Snet on Saturday. On Saturday. I might go over to that as well, actually. I'll take my licence and my helmet. And I might go, oh, I need to go to a different track. need a car first. I need a different track. That's what I really need. And, uh, and uh, congratulations to Claire Smith of the 360 Motor Club, who won her class at Donington last weekend. Ooh. And she was racing against Martin Short, among others. Win her class? Mm-hmm. And the 360 event later in the year at Donington uh, is going to have a very special guest race director, who I'm not allowed to say a who... A guest race director? Yes. Uh, he's possibly 
the most famous person who could ever be a race director is going to be a race director at that event. Prince Charles. Is he a qualified race director? I don't know. No. All right. Well, I don't think he is. So, so who's the most famous not. person that you Eduardo know? Eduardo Freitas. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I caught up now. It took a while. Yes. Uh, thank you very much to our guests, to uh, uh, both Graham and to Marshall Pruitt. To Before regular... we go, yeah. oh, did uh, anyone, uh, any of our listeners get our little Twitter quiz correct? What was the Twitter quiz? Uh, name the driver who ran into the back of Tom Kimber Smith in no. uh, Formula Renault at Knock Hill in 2005. Nobody did. It was Jean-Robert Niagray. Oh, that's a surprise. Mm. He's come and gone to do a lot, hasn't he? In well. fairness, it would have been easy to see who he didn't run into that year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I I will never forget that was the that was my possibly my greatest ever bit of predictive commentary. <laughs> <laughs> you were there, Tim, weren't you? I was there. We all of us were there. Yeah. Yes, and even Declan Brennan remembers watching it and saying, oh, yes. <laughs> uh, thank you to our regular contributor, Nick Dearman, to our executive Hello. producer, uh, executive producer down up, oh, sorry, Round up about. in London, uh, in Overcast, London, and also, of course, the responsible adult and the food this evening was absolute. Fan. Oh, what did you have? Limita- we had a... We had a four rib of beef, um, which was just fantastic. Slow cooked, very slow cooked, with star anise and other Asian spices. Uh, some new potatoes uh, and a sort of an onion uh, gravy in there with it. And then we had proper old-fashioned eaten mess with sweet Evie strawberries from just down the road, down uh, the road. which was absolutely fantastic. Uh, and that's your lot for Midweek Motorsport. Uh, episode 28. Uh, keep watching the front page because we will have our LMP2 special. Waiting for a couple of uh, couple of special guests to uh, confirm their uh, attendance, at least by interview. Tomorrow night, it's the Tora radio show at 8 o'clock. Uh, in, a, in a packed programme, we'll be talking all sorts of things, including the London Apres. That's all tomorrow night from 8 o'clock uh, with the guys from Tora, obviously, uh, joining us then at 8, as I say. In the meantime, there's no time to explain because the Llama will be going round and round this weekend. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.